Hey everyone, Michael A. Bryan here from the Oraculos Podcast. And today I'm going to be sharing with you our Christmas Kabbalistic Tarot Marathon. Just yesterday on Boxing Day 2020, we hosted for the first time ever a Kabbalistic Tarot Marathon, which completely was a brand new experience for me because never before had I ever done anything like a tarot marathon. And it was only, I dare say, two years ago when I did my actual first public tarot reading where it wasn't just me and the other person, but it was me and the other person and an entire group of people. So the thought of hosting a tarot marathon is still relatively new for me and it was quite a stretch because it was live and there were many people who were in the zoom room with us but it was truly a moment out of time and it was truly a moment of magic and i am so excited to share that here with you all here on the oraculos podcast because it's something that i really do want to do consistently moving forward to create more opportunities for you to be a part of our live studio audience <laughs> here at the oraculos podcast because i really love being able to connect with each and every one of you and i really love having the opportunity to share other components of my practice with you now, regarding this concept of sharing other components of my practice, if you've been there from the beginning, you would have seen this show go through its permutation as the Oraculos True Divination podcast. And that was a really important moment within the life of this show for me because I wanted to hold true to this concept that it wasn't just astrology. It wasn't just astrology that we did here. This was a much vaster field of esoteric inquiry that had astrology at its core and at its center, but that wasn't solely astrological or that wasn't solely based on astrological technique as we know it today, because truthfully, everything in my opinion is astrological. The other things that I do within my practice of the Western esoteric tradition are astrological. The Kabbalistic Tarot, Hermeticism, Chiromancy, reading the lines on the palm of your hand, Geomancy, all of these things have a basis in astrological language. So I wanted to create space for all of those things to be honored without necessarily creating a podcast that was solely based on astrological practice proper, as in this is a chart and this is the reading of this chart. And as we moved on, the podcast seemed to move more and more in that direction and the momentum and the requests and everything just kind of shapes us into what we are today in which we do look like a primarily astrologically based podcast where it's all been about astrology. But I really hope to change that and to shift that tide as we move into 2021 because my life is the melting pot of several very distinct fields of esoteric wisdom. And while astrology is that base, there's also 
the tarot and that entire beautiful tapestry of language that's a part of tarot. And there's also the runes and geomancy and eaching and all of these parts of myself that represent a wider orientation to not just astrology proper, but also mysticism and magic as also being this rich part of our internal understanding of how our ancestors interacted with this cosmos in which we live. And I've had the opportunity and the privilege to be able to experience so many of these other components of esotericism that I think that it would be remiss for me to have this platform and only bring out astrological content. So I'm going to be sharing with you this Kabbalistic tarot marathon today. And at Oraculos, we're going to create more live studio opportunities for all of you to come in and be a part of a class while it's going on or be a part of a reading while it's going on or to jump into these marathon type experiences because I really do want to create a space where this becomes a community and not just a space where you come to, I don't know, listen to the sound of my voice, which inevitably is still going to be <laughs> a lot of that at the end of the day. But it's the family that we have built and cultivated within this space this year that's really most important for me. It's the trust that we've built with each other this year that really is meaningful. Speaking of trust, I haven't come out with the Astrologer's Almanac for this Capricorn ingress. And I also wasn't expecting to talk about this, but I haven't come out with the Astrologer's Almanac for this Capricorn ingress. And it's been an interesting thing observing the resistance within me surrounding that and observing my lack of interest in terms of jumping on that as an opportunity. And please accept my deepest apologies regarding it. But I realized that I find far less joy just coming and talking to a microphone like this. It, it really freaks me out, this concept of talking to a computer and no one else being there. And the astrologer's almanac kind of seemed like a sort of cosmic masturbatory self-serving sort of thing. And it just didn't have the sort of interaction that I needed with an audience. So moving into 2021, I anticipate that we're going to be recording the Astrologer's Almanac as a live studio audience sort of recording. And that for me will hold me more accountable to getting that out into the world because if I'm doing it with you all, then I'll feel more inclined to do it. So forgive me. This has truly been an extraordinary year and it's been an extraordinary year within my life and it's been an extraordinary year within all of our lives. And as I sit here in Oraculo studio, i.e. my bedroom, 
as I sit here and try to release all of the previously recorded content so that I am not moving into 2021 with pre-recorded content, but I'm actually getting it out into the world now. As I go through that, I have so many feelings within me. And a part of that feeling process is this thing where I realize that within this one year alone, the space that we share has gone from being nothing into becoming something. And wow, you know? And so many of the students who study at Oraculos have found us through this space. So many new friends who I never would have thought I would have been friends with before have found us in this space. So many people whose work I honor and whose work I respect and love and cherish have found us in this space. And I am just dumbfounded that something as tiny as this could grow so big in such a short space of time and could actually be a beacon of light or hope within the lives of people. And that's really all that matters to me, the fact that we can create spaces like this, spaces of genuine magic, and know that not only are these spaces important, but also know that spaces like these are the most important spaces, especially in years like this, when so much of our external points of connection have been cut off the fact that we can create a community of sorts here on the Oraculos podcast and grow from each other and learn from each other. And you send me your emails and you let me know how you feel and just have the space of open and honest conversation about things that are truly magical things that for the most part, other people around the world don't even think that the conversations that we have here are important, but they're conversations that give our lives so much meaning. And they're conversations that add so much depth to the practices that we have, these practices of magic and mysticism and astrology and divination and all of these wonderful things. The fact that we can be here and join in the celebration of that has truly been for me a bomb and a warm cloud and a soft space this year. So, as we move into 2021, my anticipation is that we're going to be having more of these opportunities, whether it's via a YouTube Live or whether it's via a class that you can drop into or something where we can just come together and talk and meditate and contemplate concepts together and contemplate this magic together, or even share in the love of an author or experience our common love of a book. It's, it's something that I plan to grow here as we continue to grow our Oraculos universe together. So, I know that's a lot of talking, but I just wanted to say to everyone that I am so grateful. 
I am grateful beyond measure that you have given me your ears and you've given me your heart and you've created a soft space there for me. Because it's, it's truly meant the world. It's truly meant the world. And the fact that you would not only tune in once, but continuously tune in to hear the thoughts that are expressed on this show, whether they are my thoughts specifically or the thoughts of my colleagues and people who I love, but really a lot of <laughs> my own ramblings, the thought that you would plug into this space and want to be a part of the space has truly meant the world to me. Because to this day, I remain Michael A. Bryan in the Bahamas, in my pajamas, just talking about some magic. And I'm so grateful to all of you for being here with me to talk about some magic. So without further ado, here is another part of my wonderfully magical life, my life with the Kabbalistic Tarot that I do hope to share more of with you as we march towards futurity together. I love you from the bottom of my heart. And thank you for loving me. So I was saying that tarot within the US is created for the most part by a company called US Gaming Systems, which when I was younger, it was a little bit annoying because on the border of all of the cards, it says US Game Systems. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I hate that. And it's, it's the smallest, most inconspicuous thing in the world. But when you're working with tarot, knowing that it's a tool of divination, you don't want to see U.S. game system. Let me let me tell you exactly what it says. It says copyright, <laughs> copyright 1990, U.S. Game Systems Incorporated. Why? Who comes up with this stuff? Anyway, that's what it says on all of the tarot cards. So if you're ever going to buy a tarot deck, and that's going to be the make it or break it point for you, don't let it be. So that's the very first thing. Secondly, tarot is made when they make these cards, they make them on a sheet of paper, well, a sheet of whatever this cardstock is, and it cuts out 10 rows of eight cards, basically. So you have 10 rows of eight cards, so you end up with 80 cards, you see? However, a tarot deck only has 78 cards. So in every tarot deck, for the most part, that you'll buy from U.S. Game Systems, they have these two additional cards. Now, these two additional cards aren't actually tarot cards. These two additional cards are just introductory cards that, for the most part, come with every deck. And there's something on this card that is my that I love very dearly. 
Oh, just so that you know, the deck that I personally use is the Universal Weight Tarot deck, the Universal Weight Tarot deck, and it's the deck that I promote to everyone. If I'm ever going to give a reading, like this is the deck that I read from, and I'm also not a collector of decks because I just find that to be a very strange habit, but this is the Universal Weight Tarot deck, and if you haven't uh, purchased it yet, this is one of the more traditional tarot decks that we use that comes to us from some of the early 20th century works of the Golden Dawn. So that's the first thing. Well, I think that's the second. Whatever thing it is, it's there. Now, on this card, what I love is this quote, which is from Stuart R. Kaplan from the book, The Encyclopedia of Tarot. And he says, what we see in the symbology of tarot derives in large measure from our own intuition and once revealed, reflects back upon each of us to further enrich our lives. It's, I love that. I absolutely positively love that because it really speaks to the heart of what tarot represents. And for those of you who study astrology, whether you're self-taught, you study here, you study with someone else, what you should know is that a part of what makes the tarot such a potent tool of divination is the fact that the symbolism on the tarot isn't just born in a vacuum. The symbolism of the tarot is completely predicated on this symbolic notion of the structure of the universe. And if you learn traditional astrology, for example, the shape and the structuring of the tarot is literally built within the image of traditional astrology. And so in the same way as we say that our astrology serves as this template for us to superimpose our human history onto the cosmos, the tarot holding within itself these images of the cosmos also serves that same function, which is what allows the tarot to be such a potent storytelling tool, because in the same way that we can tell every myth of our humanity using the sky, it's the same way that the tarot holding within itself this imagery and these archetypes of the sky is also a tool by which that same myth and those legends and our joys and our sorrows and our trials and our triumphs can be told because the tarot is literally built in the shape of that cosmos. So I just wanted you to know that as a bit of a background, because I find that oftentimes when I tell people that I do tarot, pe people who are purely astrological, there's a concept within their mind that the tarot is somehow this cheap fortune telling whatever. And I really would like for people to know that it's so much more than that because the shape of tarot is literally the shape of astrology. And I think that's the most important thing that we acknowledge that these cards hold within themselves these potencies of the dynamic forces of nature. And they reflect back to us how those dynamic forces of nature directly impact our lives in the same way as our astrology does. But oftentimes the tarot has the ability to speak with far more potency and direction than our astrology does. And it's because of this added dimension of it having a picture that you can sync your imaginal, magical, psychic faculties into. You know, uh, astrology in its pure symbolic form is like pure mathematics. You, you look at the chart and you see numbers and you see the glyphs of the planets and you see, you, you literally see a graph that's probably no different from any other pie chart 
Only thing is it has these zodiacal astrological symbols. What sets the tarot apart is that the tarot isn't only based on that, but the tarot is based on this rich artistic legacy that's been handed down to us by antiquity, essentially. And so it gives us more of an immediate thing to interpret. And this is also part of why the tarot has, in a lot of regards, become a lot more popular than astrology. You know, a lot of people fantasize about the thought of getting into astrology, but they actually first gravitate towards tarot because tarot gives them something automatically to interpret. Tarot is probably the one place within our Western esoteric tradition where a complete rookie can feel as if they're a master. Because who can't interpret the picture of two children sharing a cup of flowers? You know, who can't interpret the picture of, of two lovers sharing, sharing a glance between each other? You know, there's something very humanistic and very humane about the tarot and the imagery that we find within the tarot. And that's why a lot more people find the tarot is a softer landing place for them in terms of, and I've completely hijacked that phrase, soft landing place from elsewhere. But a lot of people do find that the tarot is a softer landing place for themselves because it gives them something automatically to sink into. Whereas astrology requires far more effort to actually feel as if you have some astrological utility, you see? So anyway, that's that's the background of it. So the tarot has 78 cards, each of them representing an astrological theme or an astrological potency. So the first thing I do after I would have taken my cards out of my cartouche is I shuffle them. And I shuffle them because well, first of all, the reason why we shuffle the cards in the first place is because one of the greatest things about the tarot as a system of divination is that it demands us to, it demands for us to put on a shelf our ego process because you can't choose which card comes out. You can't say, oh, I want the lover's card to come out or I want the world card to come out or I want the six of swords to come out. You can't fabricate that. You can't make that happen. So the very first thing is that we shuffle the cards because that's our way of suspending our ego process. And in so doing, we, we, we give back to the universe that part of us that chooses and we allow the universe to decide how it will orchestrate the actual reading. So that's why the shuffling happens within tarot and you should shuffle them well. And if you aren't accustomed to shuffling cards, uh, particularly tarot cards, which tend to be bigger than regular playing cards, just buy yourself a deck. And if you just shuffle them, then just, just shuffle them. You don't even have to give readings, but shuffle them so that you gain proficiency in the art of shuffling a tarot deck because it does require a certain um, tactile dexterity. So that's the first thing. And then after I've done that a few times, usually it's four times. I just put the deck down <clears throat> and then I turn my palms up and you all will do this with me as well. So we just put the deck down and we turn our palms up to the ceiling and you close the eyes. So 
so that we're seated in a sense in this state of receptivity and we're making this physical gesture to the cosmos which is in fact an internal gesture to the cosmos that in this moment and at this time we are ready take a deep and cleansing breath Release with that breath all that is negative or harmful to you. And receive now in its place all that serves your highest, most joyful good. And surrender to the waves of the breath and the breathing. Eternal universe, you who are the womb from whence arose the great mother, father divine. We give thanks for this opportunity that we have to come and receive your wisdom. We ask for guidance, for clarity, for insight and understanding that we may see how all the hills and valleys of life come together to create a beautiful tapestry of light. We give thanks for this and for your many blessings. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Blessed be. So <clears throat> we start every reading with an invocation of sorts to acknowledge this further suspension of the self and this alignment with something higher than the self. And then after that, I take a moment to do my final blessing over the cards, which is a silent thing, and it will take just a few seconds. <clears throat> but it's for the purpose of acknowledging that it's truly holy space and sacred space that we're stepping into. And after that's done, <clears throat> I shuffle them again. And after I've done my final blessing on the cards and shuffle them again, I feel a physical change in the heaviness of the cards. It's as if the cards themselves become lighter. And it's as if the shuffling itself isn't such a gross physical process anymore, but there's something that feels completely refined about the card itself, which is extraordinary that that can even occur. And now we're ready. <clears throat> so on the screen at the moment, and it keeps on shifting around, but on the screen at the moment is Ginny, then Ebony, and then there's a row of people who aren't getting read, and then there's Fevin, and then there's LaFleur, and then there's, a, there's Fevin, there's Akash, there's LaFleur, there's Ken. So hello, Ken, and thank you for being here. Now, 
we are going to dive in. So Jenny Dodge, it's you. So I'm going to I'm going to um, just spotlight this. Oh, this spotlight. Okie dokie. <clears throat> so, hello there, Jenny. Would you prefer me to stay muted while you're going through the process? What? No. So this part is is we communicate. Okay. 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 So. Ginny and students of Oraculos, please take note that this is my process every single time forever and ever, amen, okay? Since forever. So Ginny, if you had one singular area of your life to focus on right now, what would that singular area be in one word? Career. If you could fill in the general statement, I am seeking guidance on, what would your next word or phrase be? Uh, movement. What question organically comes about of you when you consider that general statement? As in, if you had 15 minutes to speak to the wisest part of the universe about this singular question that you have, what would the singular question be? Should I move away from my current career towards a new promise? Does that feel like the essence of what you want to know? What was that? Does that feel like the essence of what you want to know? Yes. If you could narrow it down, is there a way to do that? Or is that the singular thing within your heart right now? There is a specific um, job that I have currently that I. I mean, I mean, I mean, don't tell me the details. Don't tell okay. me the details. But just if if that feels like the essence of what it is, then the answer is yes. And if it yeah, doesn't, to leave like... the current space and to move forward. Okay, so say the question one more time. Um, I'm seeking guidance on. No, 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 say, say say it as a question. Let it end with the question mark. Okay. Should I move away from my current career? and forward into a new direction. Good stuff. Now, the final question that I would ask, which I would ask in an actual full reading space is, does this feel like an area of blockage or is this something that you're just seeking general guidance on? Blockage. Okay, good. So the, the time of the question, we're not doing horary, but I'm going to get it in the recording just in case you all want to take a look at the horary chart later. The time of the question is 2.26 p.m. and the date is Saturday, the 26th of December, 2020. And the question is, should I, well, I'm, I'm gonna write it down because I have to hold the question within myself as well. So the question is, should I say it one more time for me? Should I uh, move from my current career into a new direction? Good. Wunderbar. Great. And this is Jenny. 
Now, the first thing I do before I before I give the reading is I have to know within myself what of the several spreads I'm going to use. And because I'm a very simple person, I only use one of three. A three-card spread, a six-card spread, or a ten-card spread. By Jenny saying that this feels like an area of blockage for her, I know within myself that I'm going to use a six-card spread because that's what I do for that sort of thing. And anyway, I'm just letting you know that. So I'm so Jenny. I'm going yes. to I'm going to shuffle these cards on your behalf, okay? Okay. And do I have your permission to stand as proxy for you? Yes. So I'm going to shuffle these cards on your behalf. And while I shuffle these cards on your behalf, I'm going to hold that question within my head and my heart. And I'm going to pump that question into the cards. But I also want you to hold that question in your head and your heart. And you all pump that question towards me. So say a question one more time. Should I move from my current career into a new direction? And I always want people to say that question several times so that that crystallizes as a seed of truth within themselves. Because just hearing yourself ask that question, it already does something within you to know that it's that real within you, you see? So it already serves as a catalyst for a greater process. So Jenny, while I focus on that question and you focus on that question, I'm going to shuffle these cards. And when you feel as if it's appropriate for me to stop shuffling, you say stop shuffling, okay? Okay. Okay, I'm going to start shuffling now. I feel as though it's time. Keep focusing on the question. Keep focusing on the question. Keep focusing on the question. The first card represents the blockage. The second card represents how it manifested in the past. The third card represents how it's manifesting presently. The fourth card represents the lesson to be learned from exploring this blockage. The fifth card represents the should I move portion of your question. And the sixth card is the guiding spiritual insight. Mute yourself again. So the first card representing the blockage is the Page of Swords, and this is what the Page of Swords looks like. The Page of, oh, wow, there's a glare, but mm, there we go. This is what the Page of Swords looks like, and the Page of Swords represents the earthy part of the element of air. <clears throat> and the Page of Swords is representing the blockage. So what this is saying is that you are at this moment poised and ready to move in a very specific direction with your intellectual self. It's as if you are, in a sense, waiting on the lightning to strike because you know within yourself that you have no more loyalties to the ground on which you stand. And that's something that we can see very physically within the card itself. But this is also the, it's, it's also the, the deeper Kabbalistic dimension of the Page of Swords being the earthy part of air. It's that there's a, there's a seed within you that's wanting to crystallize there's a thought within you that's wanting to become real. And at this moment, you may not feel as if the ground on which you stand has the ability to hold the space for the reality of that thought or of that vision. So you are, in a sense, leaning in the path of action, leaning already out of the door, knowing that 
the knowing that the place where you stand doesn't have the ability to hold or support you anymore with any deep sense of loyalty. So from an emotional level, you may have already separated yourself from that space because you are waiting on the lightning to strike. And I think that's a very important thing when we think about the page of swords, this concept of it waiting for the lightning to strike, because oftentimes we find ourselves in situations in life where we are in a sense waiting for lightning to strike in order for us to feel as if we can mobilize ourselves and move beyond the place where we currently find ourselves. So, so the blockage, the page of swords coming up as a blockage may indicate the blockage of you probably having not yet experienced that lightning striking. And as a result of that, you still being in this valley of waiting, knowing that there's something within you that's standing guard and that's holding vigil essentially, because you know that the moment you get the indication that it's the appropriate time to leave, you'll be gone. Now, the card that represents the past as it relates to the situation is the emperor reversed. And the emperor within the tarot is representing Aries, as in the actual uh, sign of the zodiac Aries. And the reversal of the emperor is similar to a retrogradation. So when I, when I write the symbol of reversal within my journal, I always use the RX for retrograde. And what the emperor reverse says is that the interesting thing with the emperor is that it could indicate another person within your situation. And the other person that it indicates could literally be a, a man, a male figure who holds this role of the emperor of the emperor reversed. So I'm going to give you an interpretation of this card as being another person, as well as an interpretation of this card as being another aspect of yourself. So if the emperor reversed represents another person, it represents someone who essentially was extraordinarily defensive, and they were defensive because they felt as if they were losing power within the situation. So it caused them to show how essentially weak they were because of your possibly already internal desire to leave. It's like, if I desire to leave a thing that I used to be deeply attached to and somebody else's power was derived from the depth of my attachment, then my desire to leave is something that ripples into this space and it, it, it's something that makes this other person feel uncomfortable to the point where that person can possibly become uh, tyrannical, that person can possibly show their ugly fangs, or that person can show their own vulnerability in terms of you and this decision-making process that you have. If it represents you within the past of the situation, it says within the past of the situation, you found yourself having to completely strip yourself of everything. You had to divest yourself of any sense of being powerful. And you had to really, there, there's this image that I, that I always have when I think about the emperor reverse. It's like you have to become naked and allow yourself to go to the river to be baptized, essentially, because you realize that the source of power that you may have held on to may have been a forced power or a contrived power. And now you realize that you're moving into a territory within your life where that sort of force contrived essence of self has no place. As I say that, I feel as if it's representing someone else because it doesn't seem to match the story that we're already saying. Jenny, do me another favor, turn off your camera and not because I'm looking at you at all, but just because that's always a thing that I ask my clients because I don't want for that visual feedback to, to sully my clarity. Now, 
The next card is the Nine of Swords reversed, and the Nine of Swords reversed is representing Mars in Gemini. Within the tarot, this is the Deccan of Mars in Gemini. And then the Deccan after this would be the Sun in Gemini, because we know that that's the Chaldean order and how that operates. So anyway, the Mars in Gemini situation is giving me further indication that this Mar that this Aries reversed person as being the emperor may actually represent someone else within your situation because the Mars in Gemini reversed brings with it the feeling of, of oppression as if I'm on a job, I'm within a working environment that gives me a great deal of mental anxiety because I don't feel as if I can actively fight against the tide of the oppressive forces within this space. So because I can't fight externally against this person, it internalizes and it becomes anger and that anger unexpressed becomes sorrow and that sorrow unexpressed becomes depression and that depression unexpressed becomes a seed of, of we'll be easy on the words, but that, that depression unexpressed becomes a seed of deep self-doubt because it's like I'm, I'm in this space and I find myself suffering in this space that I'm in and I want to get out. Like I genuinely want to extricate myself from this environment, but for whatever reason, I'm allowing myself to stay here probably because I genuinely can't leave right now, which takes us back to the page of swords, which is saying that you know, emotionally, I have no attachment to this ground on which I stand. But at the same time, I know I want to leave. And then the Nine of Swords is saying, on top of me wanting to leave, I have this deep feeling within myself that I can't leave. And as a result of feeling as if I can't leave, it starts this entire cycle once again of the anger, which becomes a sorrow, which becomes a depression, which becomes a self-doubt, because I know that truthfully within my heart of hearts, this bed that I'm lying on, it doesn't feel like a home. So when we think about the Nine of Swords, we're essentially thinking about a peregrine Mars, and the peregrine Mars in Gemini is a Mars that causes a constant fire on the mind. And the fire on the mind brought about through the Mars in Gemini becomes an excessive internal sense of mental of, of mental warfare. You know, Gemini is an air sign, Mars is the god of war. So when we think about air and Mars, we think about the sense of mentally being at war within myself because I know that I'm doing something that isn't really serving me. And from the look of it, it, the situation as it stands, both in the past and in the present, hasn't served you. So now we go and we see what's the lesson to be learned from exploring this. The lesson to be learned from exploring this is the hermit reversed. The hermit reversed represents Virgo within the tarot. And it also represents the, the Hebrew letter Yud, which, you know, people in English say Yod because it's within our nature to, to anglicize words, but it's Yud, Y-O-D. So the hermit reversed representing, representing the, the Yud is once again, this feeling of a retrogradation of the things that the hermit represents. So what the hermit reverse says to you is that, is that one, 
you need you need to dig your heels into the ground because with the hermit reverse, what it can do is it can create this mental situation for yourself that doesn't have any actual reality to the situation in which you find yourself. And oftentimes we create these fortresses of solitude within our mind because it serves the purpose of helping us get over the anxiety or the suffering that we might currently find ourselves in. And so with the hermit reverse, we have the sense of the hermit has, has buried his head so deeply in a very particular perspective of a sort of reality that he wants to have, even if that reality has no actual bearing with the reality that he finds himself in. And by he, I'm referring specifically to you. So the hermit reverse is saying, we have to shake off that piece of us that wants to hold on to a vision that is safe, but not helpful. And that's a very important thing, especially if you're wanting to move forward. The, the, the card that precedes the hermit, what everyone should know, at least from the oraculos perspective of things, is that a reversed card takes you back to the card that came before it. So the nine of swords reverse takes you back to the eight of swords upright, which came before it. And the eight of swords upright has to do with the confrontation of you and your fears, you confronting the fears that you have within your heart, you see? The emperor reverse takes us back to the card that came before it. And the card that came before the emperor is the empress. And so the empress being the card that comes before the emperor says, it's drawing you back to a place of softness and a place of really knowing what your values are and whether or not the space that you currently find yourself in has the ability to be supportive of those values there. And then the hermit reverse takes us back to the card that came before it and the card that came before the Hermit Reverse is the Strength card. And the Strength card, which is representative of Leo and the Hebrew letter Tet and several other things. But the, the Strength card is this call for you to remember yourself and this call for you to remember who you are and who all of us are, whether or not we work in somebody else's organization or our own is we are all sovereign entities and we are all our own bosses at the end of the day. And when we, when we allow ourselves to shift so strongly into this place where someone else begins to have power over us as opposed to power with us, then that becomes a place where we feel as if we're feeding this demon that can never fully be satisfied. And that's kind of the energy of the emperor reverse because the negative side of Aries is that Aries has this insatiable hunger and the Bible spoke about it being the, the lion seeking whom it may seek, kill and devour sort of thing. And so the, the purpose of all of this for you is to realize the realities of the situation that you're in right now, realize the ways in which your, your defense of yourself within that situation may not be the most helpful and realize this call back to your own sense of self-sovereignty, even if you do find yourself in a place of employment with someone else, that the, the first step towards the freedom that you're looking for is to create a sort of scenario that makes you feel strong or to create a sort of scenario that makes it feel as if there's an equal exchange of energy within the space that you inhabit. Because if there is not that, then Houston, we have a problem. Now, the lesson to be learned from exploring this entire situation is symbolized by the lover's card. And the lover's card is representing Gemini within the tarot. So it's interesting that we have these, we have a very airy situation going on, but the lover's card, which is saying, should I, should I leave my current position and go to something else? Basically, the lover's card is the path of least resistance. 
And the lover's card is the path of effortless exchange between you and the thing that you are calling your lover. And we want to seek out those places of effortfulness, of effortlessness and ease within our lives. And so what you have to ask yourself is, is the place where I'm in, even if I make these shifts within myself, does this place allow me to feel as if I inhabit a space of effortlessness and ease? Or does it still feel as if there's a tenuous, precarious sense of the balance between me feeling powerful versus me feeling powerless? Because if that is the case, then that is not your path of least resistance. And so this moment is calling for you to look at where are the places where you find beauty, where are the places where you find more flow than force, because flow can take you, can take you places that forces never will. So where are some of the places where you find the sense of more flow as opposed to force? And is it truly manifesting in this space, even if you make the internal alterations that you have to make to set you up to be in a greater space of freedom? Because if the answer to that question is no, then the greater answer to the question that you're asking is that the environment that you're in, it doesn't have the seed stuff to make you feel held or to make you feel supported or to make you feel as if you're having this effortless exchange between yourself and the greater or between yourself and the numinous. And the things that we're doing insofar as those things tie into our calling in life should always be things that make us feel a sense of exchange between us and the divine. Whatever work you're in, whatever field you're in, you know, anything can be a yoga. It doesn't just have to be the practice of yoga itself. It doesn't just have to be a specifically spiritual practice itself. Your cooking can be a yoga. You're taking care of your nieces and nephews can be a yoga. Anything can be a yoga, but you have to really see what things are you doing? What activities are you doing within your life that allow you to feel as if you're in a space of union with something greater than yourself versus feeling as if you're just unifying yourself deeper with the world of matter? Because once again, matter can take you, you know, spirit can take you places that matter never can. So is your spirit truly gushing forward within the current space that you're in, or is it not? If you make the changes within yourself towards freedom, does your spirit gush forward? Or does it still feel like an uphill battle? Because if it still feels like an uphill battle, that's the internal indication from within yourself also from outside of yourself within the greater cosmos that the place where you are is some place where you shouldn't be. And the guiding spiritual insight is represented by the six of cups reversed. And the six of cups reversed is the sun in Scorpio. Let me just check and make sure that is, yes, it is the sun in Scorpio. And it's reversed, <laughs> you know, it's, it's reversed. And the, the reversal component of it is a sullying of what the Six of Cups would represent by itself. So the Six of Cups by itself represents the, the, the wonderful pleasure of nostalgia, basically. It, it represents the sun illuminating the deep and meaningful heart of Scorpio that holds on to things from the past that truly carry a sense of fulfillment and joy and that truly carry a sense of lasting pleasure. That's the sun and Scorpio component. However, it's reversed. And the reversal of it says that we can stay stuck within the fabric of a particular set of memories to try to make an experience feel better than it is. But those memories hold no utility if those memories are forcing you to be in a situation of inequality. 
And the inequality theme is really coming up very strongly within this, the inequality between you and the environment, the inequality between you and someone else in particular, the inequality between you and this dream that you have and the way in which you feel a sense of derision and strife and a schism between you and your ability to move towards that. And then fundamentally, the six of cups of verses furthering this, this wedge of inequality and saying that it doesn't feel as if we're both sharing in the same sort of holy space. It feels as if you're lauding it over my head that you are the older one, that you are the wiser one, that you are the more, more supreme one, or that you are the more in whatever articulation of more there may be. And what it does is it, it causes a, a pattern of negativity, which is essentially a seed from your own past to be remade manifest within this situation. So then the greater question that comes up is how does this situation carry the essence of an even greater body of past experiences in which inequality may have been a centralizing theme? Because if you can see the seed of the past being remade manifest within this moment, then one, it's saying that this moment is a critical turning point for you within a larger structure of your own life. And secondarily, that if you don't allow yourself to deal with this situation as it is, then the seed of inequality that continues to come back from the past, it will continue to manifest itself within other spaces of your life. You know, we could leave anything, you know, we could leave any job behind, any relationship behind, any anything behind. But if the fundamental seed of what it is we're trying to leave hasn't been eradicated, then it manifests within the next one. And then I find that every single job I enter carries the same sort of dynamics as the last one. And every single person I date carries the same sort of emotional dynamics as the last person I date dated. And I'm having to make the same sort of compromises within my life because I haven't first dealt with this singular seed of a thing that continues to manifest itself. So the two ways of dealing with that are one, to gain power and sovereignty within yourself around this story, realizing that it is your story. And as your story, you are the central player. So you determine how you show up and how you act within that story. And then the second piece is after you've determined to put yourself within a place of stability and freedom within yourself, the second piece is then to ask yourself, even within my strength, does this place feel like a place of flow? Because you can't ask yourself those questions if you're in a place of weakness. In a place of weakness, you are given whatever reality is served to you. But then you say, even in my strength, does this place allow me to be in a place of flow? And if the answer is still no, even after you've empowered yourself, then the answer is that you need to leave that space because that space is only further carrying forward a seed of, of a seed that can bear no fruit. The underlying card, and then I'm done because we have to move on, but the underlying card of the entire thing is the three of pentacles reversed and the three of pentacles reversed represents Mars and Capricorn. But once again, it is this reversal of the Mars and Capricorn theme, even though we love Mars and Capricorn. What it says is that you within yourself are should, should look to see whether or not the work that you're holding on to is a work that prevents is, is, is a work that allows you to avoid the pink elephant in the room. And I think we've identified some of what that pink elephant may be, but am I doing this and holding on to this and excelling and overperforming and being superior in this thing that I'm doing because I'm avoiding 
dealing with a larger structure within my life. Because if you feel that avoidance there, then this, this work is only the husk of an experience that, that is keeping you away from really dealing with the things that you need to deal with. Does that kind of make sense for you? Yes. Should okay. I go into details? I, I, I mean, yeah, you, you can, you can go for, for two minutes. Just, just take us there for okay. two minutes. Um, so for the past three years, I have been managing a yoga studio and um, also teaching there. And um, the owner of the studio is incredibly toxic. And in this time, especially the last year, um, very masculine, but um, like energy. Um, she is losing her business financially because of the pandemic. Um, and in doing so has asked, or maybe has put me in a position where I've had to give all of my extra energy to try and come up with a, a way to help her through Mm -hmm. Um, so when, when you said like the, the biggest thing, like immediately that start of no more loyalty to the ground in which you stand on is like where I'm at that experience of like excelling or overperforming, what can I do to help you to keep your business alive, to, you know, keep you afloat. Um, and when you said we aren't sharing the same holy space that rang really heavy to me as well, is that, um, you know, there's just this this feeling of um, oppression or like unexpressed um, gratitude from her for what I've been offering. Um, so yes, extremely, all the things you said about it being a recurring seed um, manifest as well, um, that is huge. So yes, spot on. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're very, very, very welcome. Okay, so I'm going to call on Shauna. Shauna Dawkins, my darling. So Jenny, mute yourself again, please. Hey. Um, Shauna, can you, so I definitely went over 15 minutes. So can you tell me when I'm at the seven minute mark, please? Okay, no problem. Let's, let's call it 16 minutes and tell me when I'm at the eight minute mark, okay? Okay, perfect. All right, and, and I'll tell you when to start, when to start timing, okay? Okay, guys. Great. Um, who was the next person after Jenny? I guess it is me. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> after each reading, I shuffle the cards in between to create that same situation as before because the cards will carry the imprint of whatever the last reading was, you see? And I don't even know how bad to explain that, but that's just the truth. So, <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> Ebony, where'd you go? I'm here. Oh, I have to scroll down, find you. I'm still here. No, no, I have to. Oh, there you are. No, you could turn on your camera for you could turn on your camera for like the the now piece. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where are you going? Okay, there you are. All right. So, Ebony, 
if you had one singular area of your life to focus on right now, what would that singular area be in one word? Love. Tell me. Love. Romance. Love. If you could fill in the general statement, I am seeking guidance on what would the next word or phrase be? I am on how to move forward in my love life. What question organically comes up for you when you consider that general statement? What can I expect when it comes to love? Okay, so, so, so that, so this process will be as specific with you as you are with it, you see? And so in the same way as when it comes to horror, we really only deal with very tight knit questions. It's the same sort of question that we want from you right now, because it, you will receive the answer that carries the seed of specificity that you bring. So, so go within and you don't have to like call anyone's name or anything, but see if you can isolate the seed of specificity within that, within that realm of your life. Okay. Was the vision that I had about love correct? Say it one more time, my dear. Was the vision that I had about love correct? Okay, cool. Does that feel like the most specific articulation of that question for you? Yes. Okay, good. Now, my other question, because if this were an actual client consultation, which it is, it is an actual client consultation, but if this were a private consultation, I'd ask, does this feel like an area of blockage or is it just something you're seeking general guidance on? General guidance. Okay, cool. So the question is, was the vision I had about love correct? And the time of the question, for those of you taking notes, is 2.56 p.m. in Nassau, Bahamas. And the reason why you have to take my time zone and not your time zone is because I'm the one who is facilitating the moment. So if you are going to look up the horary chart, the chart would be for 2.56 p.m. in Nassau, the Bahamas. Okay. And um, state your question again for me, Ebony. Is my vision that I had about love correct? Is my vision that I had about love correct? Great. So the spread that we're going to do is called the Celtic cross spread. Um, Shauna, you haven't started timing yet, so don't. Um, and that's just because this is a general guidance situation that Ebony is asking about. And that is a spread that more readily predisposes itself to a general guidance sort of thing. So Ebony, come back on, where, where do you go? I'm here. Okay, hold on, something keeps happening and you keep coming out of the screen. There you are, all right. All right, so Ebony, I'm going to, do I have your permission to stand as proxy for you? Yes. So I'm gonna focus on your question in my head and heart and you're gonna focus on your question in your head and heart, and we're both gonna pump that question into the cards. And when you feel as if it's appropriate for me to stop shuffling, you're gonna tell me to stop, okay? Okay. I'm going to start shuffling now. Okay, now. Keep focusing on your question. Keep focusing on your question. 
The first card represents you. The second card represents the underlying energy of your situation. The third card represents where the situation is rooted and where it comes from. The fourth card represents the past as it relates to your situation. The fifth card is the energy of your free will. The sixth card is the near future that's currently evolving. The seventh card is your attitude and how it influences the situation. The eighth card is the environment and how it influences the situation. The ninth card is the energy of your hopes and wish your hopes and fears. And the 10th card is the final outcome. You'll watch the recording 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. Okay. <laughs> The first card is represented by the Eight of Pentacles, and the Eight of Pentacles is representing the Sun in Virgo. So the Eight of Pentacles is here, and the Eight of Pentacles is representing the Sun in Virgo. So for you at this moment, your entire life is... So turn off your camera, Ebony. So for you at this moment, your entire life is consumed by work and the shape that your work is taking. And you are primarily focused on the great work that you're building within yourself and the great work that you're pulling out of yourself into the world. So automatically, the energy doesn't seem particularly predisposed towards a question about love because work is the primary thing on your mind and work is the primary thing that you're working on. It's the vision of a person at work there doing their great work in a sense isolating themselves from the world around them in order to perform their great work but at the same time as we know about virgo as a concept within general virgo represents the 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 worker virgo represents the servants of humanity and within the body virgo represents the intestines as the servants of the body that have to process everything so at the moment you're deeply absorbed within the shape of the work that you're doing and that is just a general sense of where you are now. And my question as I explore that is, WTF does this have to do with your love life? You see, let's move on. Because then the other side of that is, is it that you are viewing your relationship to relationships as another piece of work as well? You see how that works? Work is the word. But are you viewing your relationship to relationships as another piece of work as well, where the relationship that you're wanting to create is another thing on the list of things to do, which is an interesting approach um, in general. The next card is the devil. And I'm smiling about the devil because we spoke about the devil one day in one of these master classes. This is the devil card, do you see? And don't worry about the devil all the devil is, is Capricorn. And it's interesting that the devil is Capricorn because what I was going to say when I asked is, has love become another part of the checklist of things to do? I was going to ask, are you approaching love in a Capricornish sort of way? Now, okay, now I, I know I have to go, Shauna. Now the, the thing with the devil is that the devil represents the, the, the patterns and the conditions that we lock ourselves into. It is Capricorn. It is the, the mountain goat that's locked itself in the ascent of that mountain. You see? 
that is the primary thing that turns the devil on. And for you or the devil, when we personalize it, what it becomes is what is the mountain that you've locked yourself to that you've taught that you've told yourself you can't let go of? What is the sort of relationship patterning that you've locked yourself into that you've taught yourself that you can't let go of? Because that's where the Capricorn piece comes in. It is this Saturnian imposition upon the freedom of our lives that tells us that this is it. This is the shape that your love life is supposed to be. This is the shape how your love life usually shapes itself out to be. And this is it. You know, if you find yourself falling into those patterns of toxicity over and over again, that is what this fabric is. If that's the vision that you've taught yourself, then yes, it is true. Because that is the, that is the, the, the diabolical imposition of the devil to force us into believing that the tiny strictured or the tiny constricted universe that we've allowed ourselves to be beholden to is the only universe that actually exists. And that's something that we're going to have to work out. Now, where this is rooted for you is represented by justice reverse. And as you know, I said justice, as I said, the reversal is similar to a retrogradation. And justice, as you can imagine, is representing Libra or the balance scales. And justice representing Libra is saying that you feel as if you've been hard done by, you feel as if you've been treated unfairly, you feel as if consistently within the nature of your relationships, your relationships has taken a very justice reverse sort of stance against you, as in, I continuously find myself unfairly placed or unfairly positioned or unfairly viewed or unfairly seen. And as a result of that lack of fairness, as I've explored this realm of my relationships, I've always felt as if the decisions that I've made have set up a body of karma that has led me to an ultimately unfair end as well. And because it's a reversed card, it takes us back to the card that came before it. And the card that came before justice is Fortuna or the Wheel of Fortune. And what that says is that, well, can you step away from that momentum long enough to realize that everything that's going on within your life is going on as a result of an immutable universal law. And the immutable universal law that's in play in terms of your love life at this moment is the law of cause and effect. Every seed you plant will bring back a tree of its own nature. And that is really the lesson of justice reversed. You feel as if you've been hard done by, but are you aware that every tree that you plant is bringing back to you a seed of, it, of a similar kind, you see? And you're meant to find that similarity within these seeds because that similarity is going to, is going to indicate for you that, that maybe I should be planting a different type of seed. The past as it relates to the situation is symbolized by the two of pentacles and the two of pentacles is, is Jupiter in Capricorn. Yes, the two of pentacles is Jupiter in Capricorn and the Jupiter in Capricorn, we know because this entire year has been Jupiter in Capricorn. We know that Jupiter in Capricorn isn't really the best sort of placement for Jupiter. It's rather uncomfortable, is it not? And in the sim in a similar manner as this year has been a balancing act for all of us, this Jupiter and Capricorn situation here is a balancing act as well, because the balancing act becomes 
I know that this thing that I'm wanting in my life, this love is important, but then this work is also important too. And I realized that I have to, I have to make a decision between these two very real dynamics within my life and which one am I going to choose? How am I going to allow myself to stabilize a seed of relationship to either of these things when my relationship to both of these things is constantly changing? Eight minutes, Michael. Thank you, my dear. And so that becomes the question for you within your life. And Shauna, now tell me when I'm done, when the time is up. Now that becomes a question for you within your life, but it was a question for you in the past because you found that the relationships that you may have been entering may have been turbulent ones and the turbulence of those relationships may have spilled out within your actual work and the actual fabric of your material life around you. And the fact that you were able to juggle it doesn't say that you were handling it well. We have a tendency to think that coping is the same as healing, that a coping mechanism is the same as a healing mechanism, but coping is just coping. And what coping is, is you allowing yourself to be satisfied with the lowest amount of satisfaction necessary in order for you to get by. But that's just coping. That's not healing and that's not handling. You understand? So as a result of this, it's, it's pointing out the fact that yes, you may have built wonderful coping mechanisms around the structure and the shape of the loves that you've had in the past, but that isn't necessarily skillfulness because skillfulness is first identifying the place where it's not working and how it negatively impacts the physical security issues of your life. And then realizing that my goal in life isn't to cope with this, but my goal in life is to transform this and to turn it into something else. Now, the energy of your free will is represented by the nine of pentacles and the nine of pentacles is Venus in Venus in Virgo. And we also know that we're not too, too fond of Venus in Virgo. We just had Jupiter in Capricorn. We don't really, really like Jupiter in Capricorn, never at all. And then the next one is Venus in Virgo. We don't like that one either. So the question is, well, the question with that becomes is, It's a doozy because the question there becomes that are you, the, the, the Venus and Virgo imperative is the imperative to stay alone and know that a part, of, a part of what it is you're trying to build right now requires you to have the sacredness of aloneness or the sacredness of knowing that this aloneness is important because this aloneness is allowing you to build your life the way you want to. But when we turn that upside down, it, it, it becomes a, a, a wild sort of, impulse within you that is so desirous that it's willing to push aside its relationship to its stability is in order to pursue this thing in a sort in in a way that overwhelms you you know it's a so the tendency here that we see is that the love situation becomes an overwhelming impulse and an overwhelming blind sort of impulse and the venus in virgo upside down takes us back to the sun in virgo which tells us can we can we measure our step and can we learn how to be measured in our step well enough so that it doesn't feel like this overwhelming flood that comes through us and so you're you're being cautioned to 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 walk instead of run but you're also being cautioned 
to really live practically and live with stability within this area of your life. Now, the near future that's coming into being as a result of this question is represented by the King of Swords uh, reverse, and the King of Swords represents the fiery part of air. So it's similar to, uh, to that Mars in Gemini, but it's not quite that. Uh, but it is definitely a Gemini energy. The King of Swords represents the final decan of Taurus and the first two decans of Gemini. That's what the King of Swords is. And so what it says is that you're, you're going to be interacting with someone. You know, I know I'm taking up time, but, but these kings and emperors and queens and people in our lives, they represent other people within the situation. So for you at this moment, the king of swords may represent another person within your situation who you're going to be interacting with. And that other person is someone who, once they lock their mind into a particular pattern, it becomes impossible for them to rid themselves of that pattern. That pattern is a thing that exists and that pattern is the only thing that matters. And that locking of themselves into that pattern becomes a seed of their own manipulation within your life. It's like, I can manipulate the odds of the situation because I know how to mentally, I know how to mentally sort of get my way. And so that's the next thing that's coming up for you within this situation is representing the near future coming is the king of swords. So that can be a confrontation with this person, this person who knows that they know how to mentally maneuver and they know how to mentally finagle and they know how to, how to mentally create a scenario where they are the only ones that are right sort of thing. That's the next person who you have coming up in the very near future. And you have to figure out for yourself whether or not you're going to allow yourself to go back into that blind flood and just follow that, or whether or not you're actually going to face them from the stability of saying, no, I have my own shit to do right now. I have my own priorities and I will not be pulled into your hurricane. Now, the your attitude within the situation is represented by the Queen of Wands and the Queen of Wands is representing the final decan of Pisces, the first two decans of Aries. And so what that means, and it's also the watery part of fire. So what that means is that you are in a place where you're open, you're ready, you're receptive, and you're willing to go for it. You're willing to try, you're willing to love. You want that within yourself. You want to attract these new experiences to yourself, which is a very good thing because on the one hand, we see you being the eight of pentacles, which is you're focused on your work. But on the other hand, we see you having this queen of wands energy, which means that if love is one of those things that's on that list, that's something that you're actively going to manifest because you are ready and open and receptive and, and eager to have that in your life. Now, the next thing is the environment and how your environment views you in the situation and is symbolized by the two of wands. And the two of wands is Mars and Aries. And Mars and Aries, is, it's, it's called the Lord of Dominion within the Kabbalistic Tarot. But Mars and Aries in this context says that the rest of the world around you, they see you living a very stable sort of life, but they also don't see you being attached to the environment. They see you wanting to leave, which is different from the page of swords thing that we got in the previous reading. This one is I have, you know, I'm here, but I'm not satisfied here because I actively want to leave and I actively want to go out into the world and I actively want to stop looking in these tourist magazines. I want to jump off the balcony. I want to, for this, for the feeling of being bored, I want to go out and live my life again. There's a story of Alexander the Great 
that said that after he had already conquered the world, he jumped off of his balcony because he was so bored and there was nothing else to do. So he jumped off of his balcony because he wanted to feel like a buzz again. And that's the sort of way that the world may see you right now, that you're that you're comfortable to the point of being bored and you want to jump off of the balcony and experience new things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because it follows very nicely the queen of wands energy. Now, your fear is that you are damned to, un to infortune. And I say damned to infortune because you have the wheel of fortune reversed. And the wheel of fortune reversed as a fear is saying that I fear that the odds will forever not be in my favor. You have to understand that that is a fear. And that is a fear. Thank you, my dear. That is a fear that exists within your mind. But that fear that exists within your mind, my dear, is not the reality of life is not the reality of life. And if you could separate yourself from that fear as being a material force within your life, then what you'll find is that that Wheel of Fortune reversed, which is the 10th card within the Major Arcana, it takes you back to the card which came before it, which is the Hermit. And like I say, reverse cards take us back to the card that came before them. That is a oraculos tenet. And just go with it because I found it to be true. So the Wheel of Fortune Reverse takes you back to the Hermit card, which came before. And the Hermit card, which came before, is all about how am I digesting the experiences of my life? Because the Hermit is Virgo, and Virgo is the intestines within the body. So how am I digesting the experiences within my life? And how am I allowing those digested experiences to teach me about what it is I do want within love? So if I've had shit storm, shit storm, shit storm, hurricane, hurricane, hurricane. I don't know where exactly you live in the world, but whatever your natural catastrophe is, blizzard, blizzard, blizzard. If all I've had is blizzard, 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 since King Hatchet was a hammer, then now at this moment, what does that teach me about what I actually want? Because if I allow that to give me an education, if I allow those quote unquote failures to actually be feedback within my mind and give me an education, then I will educate myself about the sort of love that's really sustainable for me. And there's no greater education than that. So that is the, 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 the hope, the seed of hope that comes out of this fear that by facing that, you'll be able to educate yourself about what really is most important and the sort of love that you want. Because there's nothing like having a shitty, ro a shitty romance or a shitty relationship to teach you about the sort of relationship that you do want to be in. And I think that that's a really important thing as well. Now, at the end of the day, the final outcome of it is the Seven of Pentacles. And the Seven of Pentacles represents Saturn and Taurus, which, you know, Saturn and Taurus. And, the, and what that indicates is that for you, it is going to be a piece of work within your life. So at the beginning, I was like, what the hell does this Capricorn shit have to do with anything? But it is going to be a piece of work within your life because it's an active working out of some of those past things that have said to you that this lowly form of love that I've manifested before is the only thing that's for me, or this unfair sort of love that I've manifested before is the only thing for me. That requires work to break that momentum. You understand? It requires a great deal of work to break that momentum. But the beauty of that is that once that momentum is broken, once that hard, dense, concretized earth is broken, you give space for something greater to unravel and you give space for something greater to come up for you. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. 
actually, that knowing that you've actively dealt with your Saturnian cross in life. You've learned the lessons of that cross and you've taken yourself off of that cross and now you reap the rewards of what that cross has given you. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because if you could stick in there and do the sweaty work and do the trench work and do the internal healing work, that is a dirty work because it does cause you to go and dig up through some stuff that you don't really like. Then what you'll find is that there's, there's, there's something there that was waiting to flow that got stuck. As we dig into ourselves, sometimes we are fair, but all we find the deeper we dig into ourselves is more of ourselves. And you shouldn't be afraid of yourself. And the undercurrent card of the whole thing is represented by the temperance card. And that is card number 14 in the tarot. And it represents Sagittarius. And it represents the Hebrew letter Samech. S-A-M-E-C-H, Samech. And the temperance card is a beautiful thing to have as an, as an undercurrent because it says, proceed with peace within your heart. You know, like don't run because there isn't a necessity for you to run. And if you can proceed peacefully within the world, you'll find that you develop a seed of strength and stability and unwaveringness within yourself that doesn't get pulled into anybody else's hurricane. And I've said that two times and two times is the magic number is actually three, but whatever. I've said it two times. And so what that means is that if there is a tendency to be dragged into somebody else's hurricane and that dragging into somebody else's hurricane causes your own life to feel like a hurricane and it causes you to respond with hurricane energy as in you too become the hurricane, then the temperance card coming up at the end is saying that can you develop a seed of resolve within yourself? And if this is the lesson to be learned, if this is the if this is the diabolical story of the devil that keeps on repeating itself, I get dragged into other people's shit consistently. If the lesson to be learned from there is how to undo that patterning, then that is the greatest gift of all. Because who you become as a result of that is someone who is able to undo that thing within yourself long enough and consistently enough to the point where you develop an unbreakable peace within yourself that passeth all understanding. And more than anything else, that's what you're wanting to develop. An internal locus of peace that can't be shaken. Does that make sense? Can I speak now? Yes, you, you can speak now, okay. my darling. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to take a photo. Ginny, I took a photo of your reading as well initially, and I'm going to send that. I'm going to send it to you all. You can speak, my dear. Okay, sure. So this definitely felt very accurate to my situation. Um, my vision was a little bit unclear, so I don't know if that particular piece was answered just because it was really weird. I did have this vision that I was supposed to be dating this person who lived abroad and who works on stuff that's kind of related to things that I need help with. So that, that could explain kind of the work energy. Mm -hmm. uh, I also have been very consumed by work and working on myself and being like, you know, my last relationships have really sucked. So maybe I should take time to focus on me and not worry so much about other people's drama, which is definitely a pattern. Um, it's also interesting, just, I have a crazy seventh house in astrology. Um, so I've been kind of like, well, maybe I've, I'm destined to experience these, you know, really horrible relationships. So I think that kind of tied into some of the Capricorn injustice stuff you were talking about with the bad karma um, and whether or not my 
decisions have led to that, which I was like a terrible person with relationships in the past. I was an asshole. So now I do, I have said many times, like, oh, I feel like my karma just keeps coming <laughs> from all of the things that I've um, been through. So that was interesting that that came up. Um, there were a couple of other things. You said something about coping not being the same as healing. That's something that's I've said recently as well, just kind of like, I really need to dig in to heal some of the experiences that I've had in the past so that I can avoid repeating them. So um, really accurate, helpful for sure to, um, to hear and definitely made me feel better about things. Um, I am a Taurus rising. So the part about wanting to be at peace was definitely very like spot on. Like that is what I'm what I ultimately want, you know, and if a relationship is part of that, great. But if not, like that would be my primary concern. Awesome sauce. Thank you so much. Thank All right. You. Next person. <laughs> Next caller. Okay. Let me just say for like two seconds. Do you know that when I grew up, I used to watch Miss Cleo on TV <laughs> and she'd be like doing her thing. And I'd be like, oh, wow. You know, that's so amazing. I wish I could do that. And that's actually how I got into tarot. And then when I got into tarot, I realized that she didn't know, like she just wasn't <laughs> a good role model, you know. Um, but but yeah, I, I I I do love I do love this. There's something about this that can't be replicated anywhere else, and I'm so grateful for all of you for being here. Um, next person would have been who? Seven. If you had one singular area of your life to focus on right now, what would that singular area be in one word? Livelihood. Livelihood. If you could fill in the general statement, I am seeking guidance on, what would the next word or phrase be? Process. Process. What question organically arises out of you when you consider that general statement? As in, if you had 15 minutes, 16, to speak to the wisest part of the universe, what singular question would you ask? How can I best get my con conceptualizations to materialize and see things actually through to completion? So okay. move things from idea into, yeah, I don't know if I may, yeah. You're making sense, but pare it down. Make it, make it, turn it into a mantra. Because remember, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to repeat it in your head, and I'm gonna have to repeat it in my head. So turn it into something repeatable. Say the question again. Okay. Am I able to maintain awareness so I can see my ideas into materialization? Now, pause. When? Yeah. So this is this is for all of you as well. Let me actually just come back to the gallery view one second just to say something. And thank you for everyone. We're going to come to your question. The the issue with am I questions is, and you can mute yourself, Evan, while I say this, and then we'll we'll do it again. The issue with am I questions is am I completely gives me your power and your process. You see. It's, there's a difference between a should or a could or a what or a who or a whatever, but that am I question, that's, that forces me into a position of having to give you an identity. It's like you're asking me, am I Fevin? And I'm saying, yes, you are Fevin or no, you're not Fevin. You know what I mean? So, so take it back within yourself. And this is what I would do if you were a, just a regular private client. I would say this to you as well. So, and that's, that goes to all of you as well. All right, so I'm gonna come back over here to the spotlight. I'm gonna do that one more time, okay, Fabian? But you, you're doing good. So, 
So Fabian, again, so give me that question and, and give me the question in a way where it puts you, uh, it makes you the decider. Go for it. Uh, how can I bring awareness so I can see through my ideas to materialization? Beautiful. Does that sound like the essence of what you want to know? Yes, that does sound like the essence of what I want to know. Great. So the time of the question was 3.27 p.m. Those of you who are going to look up the horary charts as well, it's 3.27 p.m. Saturday, the 26th of December, 2020, and it's cast for Nassau, Bahamas. 3.27 p.m. for Nassau, Bahamas. So, Fevin, I'm going to shuffle these cards on your behalf, and I'm going to, well, hold on, the next piece is, Fevin, does this feel like... Um, an area of blockage or just a general guidance situation? General guidance. Okay. So yeah. I want you to, I'm going to shuffle these cards on your behalf. Do I have permission to stand as proxy for you? Indeed you do. Okay. Thank you. So I'm going to shuffle these cards for you and I'm going to focus on your question in, in my head and heart. You focus on your question in your head and heart and we both pump that question into these cards. And can you remind me of what your question was, please? How can I best maintain awareness so I can bring my ideas into materialization? Great. When you feel as if it's appropriate for me to stop shuffling, I'm going to stop shuffling, okay? I haven't, it's just say, okay? You have to, you have to keep yourself unmuted. Okay, cool. I'm going to start shuffling now. Actually, Fabian, say the question for me one more time because I don't have it clearly in my mind yet. Say it again. All right. Uh, how can I best maintain awareness so I can bring my ideas into materialization? Great. You focus on it. I focus on it. I start shuffling now. Um, may you please stop now? Keep focusing Thank on your you. question. Keep focusing on your 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 question. Shana, you can start timing now. And Fevin, you can mute yourself and turn off your camera. Wow. <laughs> All right, so the first card is the Page of Swords. Um, and the Page of Swords, we have seen the Page of Swords before, which is rather interesting. So for the question of how, how can I maintain my awareness to, to bring my thoughts into things, basically, or to, to manifest these thoughts, There's, there's something within the energy of the Page of Swords that is, that is constantly seeking, and I said this earlier for Ginny's question, but it was of a different nature, is constantly seeking the lightning, you see? But the other thing, whoever's unmuted, mute yourself. But the other thing is that
that constant seeking of the lightning can sometimes be a seed of a scattering of my own mental energy or a seed of a scattering of my own mental ability to focus. So that, that desire for lightning, you know, that desire to be struck by lightning, that desire be, to be struck by a great idea, that desire to be struck by an idea that completely breaks the ground beneath my feet and makes me feel stimulated, that can also be a, a seed of addiction within our lives. And I don't mean like addicted to a substance or anything, but it's this addiction to the novelty of things, an addiction to the newness of things. And being addicted to the newness of things can oftentimes prevent us from really sinking into the reality of things as they are and from really just loving things as they are. You know, if I constantly want to feel the sense of being in a new relationship, then I'm going to constantly put myself in this sort of environment that allow me to be in this sort of new relationship because that's a feeling that I'm very much addicted to. And so the, the blockage at this moment for you is probably this thing, the part of you that wants to chase after lightning. Now, earlier in the first reading for the other person, it was a completely different relationship to lightning because that relationship to lightning was I'm waiting to be struck by lightning because I'm waiting for something to get me the hell out of here. But it's completely different in this context because the energy here is that I am always chasing that lightning. And insofar as I'm always chasing that lightning, I don't really have a firm relationship to the things that I've already set in place or the things that I've already established. So that's the, the seed of the blockage. Now, how it, oh my goodness. Now, how it manifested in the past is Jenny here. How it manifested in the past is through the emperor upright. And the emperor upright, different from the emperor reversed, but the emperor upright is saying that perhaps in your past, you were able to more isolate the stream of your concentration better than you find yourself being able to now. It's like in the past, I was thrust into a particular role and the role that I was thrust into predicated and demanded from me to take up this this veil of maturity and to really drive the nail home or drive the ball home all the way. But that was in the past. And that's a great thing. And if it doesn't necessarily represent you, then it represents somebody else in your situation who was able to hold space together in such a manner, whereas you yourself were also held together in this very tightly knit, refined corridor of going from point A to point Z. But in the absence of that, what we find is that our energy scatters and in the scattering of our energy, it makes us feel as if we don't have a sense of direction or a center of gravity. Now, at the present moment, this is manifesting as the Knight of Pentacles and the Knight of Pentacles, interestingly enough, the emperor represents Aries, period, and the Knight of Pentacles is representing the first, the last decan of Aries and the first two decans of Taurus, which is so interesting that we have this Aries um, overflow. So what the Knight of Pentacles represents is you isolating this wild flame within you. That's what it means to have the last decan of Aries and the first two decans of Taurus. It says, yes, you still have that fire, but you're meant to channel that fire through the earth. 
you're meant to channel that fire through a very specific framework or a very specific lens that allows things to get done very specifically. And at this moment in your life, you may find yourself plugging into already a project that forces this of you which is a wonderful thing to have something forces of you right now, because we know already based on this, that there is this, this, this lightning chaser within you. And as a result of that, you are needing to still have that eagerness and that passion, but you need to be able to channel it down a very Taurian pathway. What does Taurus mean? Taurus is fixed earth. And so the fixed earth doesn't really allow for that wild Aryan Aries energy to just burst out of the seams. But oh, I have sweaty armpits. But it allows that to be moved down a very specific and strategic sort of directionality so that you can actually get stuff done. It's not enough to just have fire, but you have to actually be able to channel it down a very narrow pathway. And at the moment, you are already channeling that down a very narrow pathway, or that path has already been revealed to you. Now, the lesson to be learned from exploring this is that it's the Five of Swords. And the Five of Swords is quite a character. In my youth, I got the Five of Swords a lot because I just didn't give a shit about a lot of things. And that's the kind of energy the Five of Swords is. The Five of Swords represents Venus in Aquarius. And the Venus in Aquarius energy of the Five of Swords says that Sometimes the things that you want for yourself, it sets you apart from other people. Sometimes the things that you want for yourself may make you seem selfish to the other people within your life. Sometimes the things you want for yourself may make people feel as if you actually don't give a shit about their feelings because oftentimes, sometimes when it's our turn or when we are actually trying to move from A to B or we're trying to mobilize ourselves beyond the point of indecision, People who thrived on us being indecisive people, they get put off or they get defensive or they get put on guard or whatever. It's as if other people get so uncomfortable by our own determination to be a more determined sort of person that they feel as if we poo-pooed on their parade by not allowing them to win. And this can happen within our families. It can happen within our relationships. It can happen in all spheres of our lives. But the lesson to be learned from this for you is that sometimes you do have to do things that are specifically selfishly your own in order to feel as if you are able to, to mobilize your life in the sort of ways that you want. We don't like to talk about selfishness as if it's a good thing, but the truth of the matter is that everyone is intrinsically selfish in a little bit of a way, some people more so than others, and more even more selfish people than yourself thrive on your energy being so readily available to being swayed. And you see? So the lesson to be learned from this is to really step, stomp your heels down and say no. And it's interesting how this theme of power has strung through the last three readings, because the lesson here is that I know that you may not like the thing that I'm going to do, but I have to do it anyway, because this is how I mobilize myself beyond indecision. And at the same time, know that you may lose some people in the process. Now, the next card, is, which is the how can I, is represented by the seven, that is the seven of cups. And the seven of cups is Venus in Scorpio. So it's interesting that we have these two Venus cards next to each other. We have Venus in Aquarius, Venus in Scorpio. We have two fixed Venuses. What do you call a double Venus? A Veni? A Venum? Yeah. How much time, Shauna? 
seven last seven minutes left. Yay, Shala, because I only got one card left. Good. All right. <clears throat> so the seven of cups for you is indicating the, the Venus in Scorpio is a Venus that gets overwhelmed. You know, it's it's it has all of these things bubbling up to its mind. It's it's like Venus in a deep fryer that causes things to multiply. And that's the Venus in Scorpio energy. It's an energy of overwhelm. It's an energy of excess. It's an energy of dreams. It's an energy of incessant dreams. And those dreams become voracious in the scorpionic sort of way. They're, they're dreams that have been injected with like dream steroid or something. And so you know that your mind is this deeply fertile, creative place. You don't have to prove it to anyone anymore. We know that you are a deeply fertile, creative person. Now, can you isolate one of those dreams and run with it? That is, that is the thing. That's what makes this work. The ability for you to realize, yes, you have this field of dreams that you can choose from now. Can you isolate a singular seed of a dream and run with that dream from here to where that dream is meant to go? Because it doesn't matter how many dreams you have if you don't know how to bring one of them into fruition. And you need to realize that your creativity will always be a part of you. And your creativity is not jeopardized by virtue of you, by virtue of you choosing to do one thing and do one thing well right now. If you want to go learn how to make chicken and rice, go learn how to make chicken and rice. But allow yourself to be the best chicken and rice maker at this moment, as opposed to thinking that you have to have all of the meals and the fine dining of the world under your belt, because that doesn't serve anyone, because you end up not really articulating or materializing anything within yourself other than a field of, of flaccid dreams. And no one likes anything that's flaccid. That's a, that is a rule of life. So the next thing is the Queen of Cups. And the Queen of Cups is representing the guiding spiritual insight for you, but it's the Queen of Cups reversed. And the Queen of Cups reversed is representing the last decan of Gemini and the first two decans of Cancer. The issue is that if you, if you put yourself in this role of motherhood, motherhood of these dreams that you have, then you get too attached to them. Your issue is the issue of being too deeply attached to every dream you have. That is, that is a thing, you know, and it's a thing worth breaking because if you go with Cancerian motherly attachment to every single dream that you can create within your mind, and we already know that that Venus in Scorpio is a dreamer par excellence, so it can create and generate dreams, then you will always feel as if you're living outside of your center because every dream that you have will pull you further and further away from the center of yourself. And we need to have a center of gravity. Things that are meaningful within our lives have two things, a sense of direction and a center of gravity. And the Queen of Cups reversed energy, because this is the Queen of Cups reversed, the Queen of Cups reversed energy is an energy that pulls you so deeply into the dream state that it forces you to live there in a way that isn't productive. So in acknowledging that, what you have to acknowledge for yourself is that this dream state doesn't work. It doesn't work all the time. And my mothering of each and every dream as if it was born of the flesh of my body itself also isn't a productive thing. 
and the sacrificing of the larger portion of my dream so that one of these dreams can come out of me and really be something within the world. It isn't a sacrificing of myself. I don't lose anything when I sacrifice things that were created within my own heart and mind. Because in the same way as those things were created, after I manifest this thing, then other things will be created. But it's important for me to isolate my energy and to go down this very specific Torian pathway that's being presented to me at this moment in order to get things done. And the underlying card of this is the world. And the world represents Saturn. It's the 21st card in the tarot. It's the last card in the tarot and it represents Saturn. So all of you, all three of you who have gone already are having Saturn to deal with. But it's a good thing because we want to know that we can place these sort of boundaries over ourselves and we can take ourselves down these very tight knit, wove, tightly woven paths of specificity so that we can get stuff done. Because Jupiter is wonderful, but Jupiter unbridled becomes the essence of too much and it becomes the essence of, of excess. So we want to feel as if we can pull in our scattered powers in the words of Raina Maria Rilke. We want to pull in, gather these scattered powers and stretch them out until they bridge the gap between two contradictions. But you can't bridge the gap between where you are and where you're going unless you gather yourself within yourself. And in order to do that, you have to be willing to sacrifice the greater portion of some of the dreams that you have, as well as the greater portion of certain relationships that find their lifeblood on those dreams, you know? Are there certain people within your life whose lifeblood is attached to this excess of dreams that you have? So maybe you have to sacrifice those relationships in the process of sacrificing those dreams so that you can bring the seed of one individualized dream out of yourself into the world. And that is that. Does that make sense for you? Yeah, thank you so much. Um still processing mad 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 um yeah uh i mean so many things <laughs> uh yeah i i was really um i mean the first card that i guess really struck me was the emperor because that really feels like my parents and they always say that they held me under an umbrella but really i was really now I've like lived away from home for like six, seven years. I really appreciate how when I was at home, everything was directed because, you know, they're proper conservative Eritrean parents, you know, that had everything, but still loving, always let me be free. But yeah, also the Taurus fixed. So I actually have my IC in Taurus, but my fourth house is in uh, Aries with Venus. So when you were saying all these things about like, yeah, also hitting all the marks um, and Saturn, uh, I love Saturn. It's taken me a while to come to terms with it, but yeah, I got, I got a vibe with that. So thank you very much. So I really, really appreciate what you shared so much wisdom. Awesome. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, Fabin. Okay. So next, next person is if you had a singular area of your life to focus on right now, what would that singular area be in one word? livelihood if you could fill in the general statement i am seeking guidance on what would the next word or phrase be next steps what question organically comes about of you when you consider that general statement uh what should i cultivate to live my higher purpose what should i cultivate uh-huh 
to live my higher purpose. Blockage or general guidance? General guidance, please. Got it. The time is 3.50 p.m. For those of you who are looking at the horary chart for this, it's 3.50 p.m. And I'm always intrigued by questions like this from a horary perspective, just because they're not your typical horary chart, horary question. 3.50 p.m. And if you're casting the chart, cast it for Nassau, the Bahamas, just because. So LaFleur, I'm going to focus on your question in my head and heart. I want you to focus First of all, do I have your permission to stand in as proxy for you? Yes, thank you. You're welcome. I'm gonna focus on your question in my head and heart. You focus on your question in your head and heart. And we're both gonna pump that question into the cards, okay? Now, I haven't, I haven't started yet, I haven't started yet. And say the, say the question one more time for everyone to hear. What should I cultivate to live my higher purpose? Great. When you feel as if it's appropriate for me to stop shuffling, you say stop shuffling, okay? Okay, I'm gonna start shuffling now. LaFleur, say the question one more time for me, please. What should I cultivate to live my higher purpose? Got it. I'm starting to shuffle. Please stop. Keep focusing on your question. 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 Good. Okay, good stuff. LaFleur, mute yourself and turn off your microphone. Shauna? Shauna Dawkins? If you, if you have to tap out, you just let me know, okay? Yeah, no problem. All right, thank you, love. All right, so I'm starting now. It's interesting, the, the repetitions that we are getting. So the first card is the, the first card. The first card represents the issue as it is right now. And the first card is the two of wands, which is Mars and Aries. The two of wands corresponds to Mars and Aries. And I, we spoke about this earlier as being a sense of being in a very stable sort of situation within your environment and within your life and within your heart and within yourself. And it's a really good energy because Mars and Aries, Mars has its domicile in Aries and it represents dominion in a certain sense. So but this being the singular issue at the moment is saying that perhaps this theme of dominion is something that you're wanting to manifest more strongly within your life. This theme of really feeling as if you hold the reins of your own life from which to decide how you're moved forward or backward. This concept of being in control of my environment, being in control of my home, being in control of my surroundings so that I can make decisions about whether or not I want to leave this place and go elsewhere is essentially what the Mars and Aries is symbolizing now. Now, in the past, it manifested as the King of Wands. When it comes to the court cards, the court cards have a tendency of being people within our experience. So not just 
aspects of ourselves or aspects of the energy of the situation, but they also represent people within our experience. And the King of Wands is <clears throat> the King of Wands is representing the last decan of Scorpio and the first two decans of Sagittarius. And what this means is that within the past of your situation, there may have been a person who filled this King of Wands role. And the King of Wands is similar to the Emperor, which we saw for the couple, a couple readings we did before, but it's not as, is not as harsh and it's not as abrasive. The King of Wands, we like to think of as someone who genuinely is this open-hearted, um, benevolent sort of person who wants to turn the world around them into something that is functional and into something that works and into something that is good for everyone, essentially. So in the past of your situation, there may have been someone in your life who filled this King of Wands uh, motif of someone who you genuinely looked up to as a source of illumination, as a source of guidance, as a source of strength, or as someone who allowed your environment to feel like a far more stable place. In the present, we have the Ace of Pentacles reversed as representing your present situation. The aces within the tarot, they don't represent, they don't have one of these Mars and Capricorn or Venus and Scorpio attributions at all, because the aces represent the, the, the roots of the spirits of those elements. So the ace of pentacles is the root of the spirits of the elements of earth. Just so you know what it is. But the ace of the pentacles reversed is... Once again, we have the reversal. But when it comes to the aces, there is nothing to go back towards because the ace is the first card of that element. So the ace of pentacles reverse takes you back to the ace of pentacles itself. Upright. And what this says is that at this moment, the living circumstances that you find yourself in, they've gotten too small. And there's a sense of a bottlenecking in terms of your environment and in terms of you. And this is really an interesting thing because in the beginning of all of our processes to finding greater wholeness or whatever, our environment may be exactly the right size to give us a sense of movement as well as safety. But after we've learned the lessons that we needed to learn, then those environments can seem as if they get smaller, as if they don't allow us the freedom that we're deserving of, and as if we've outgrown our time in those spaces because our heart desires to move and to go elsewhere. And that can be the situation that you find yourself in. Last night, I visited my grandmother's house for like Christmas, observing all the social distancing protocol and whatever. And... I went into a room that I used to sleep in as a child and I turned to my cousin and I was like, did they like make the room smaller? Like, did they make the walls closer to the bed or something? Because it felt like such a tight matchbox. And she was like, yeah, well, they were expanding the carports and they made the room itself smaller. And so as I stepped into that space, I felt as if I was too big for the space that I was stepping into. And in a similar manner, you may feel as if you have outgrown the space that you find yourself in, which is a very important realization to have because it forces you out of the comfort of still being in that space back into the world where you can feel a sense of your own guts again. 
You know, we should never really be so protected to the point where we don't feel our organs, we don't feel our insides, we don't feel our organic relationship to life. And at the moment, you may be desiring to spread your wild seed or feel that sense of being alive again, which is outside and beyond the realm of the very tight box of protection that you have. Now, once again, the repetitions are that we have the page of swords, and I swear to you, I'm shuffling these cards well, but we have the page of swords coming up as the lesson to be learned. And the lesson to be learned for you is to know when it's time to leave. Why is that the theme? <laughs> Why is that the theme? That the lesson for you is to know when it's time to leave. So if that room feels too small, then yes, it actually is too small. And know when it's time to leave so that you can step out and be where you're meant to be. Now, the 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 question that you asked, and I wrote it down, was what should I cultivate in my life? What should I cultivate to live my higher purpose? That is being symbolized here by the nine of swords. And the nine of swords, like I said, initially is Mars in Gemini. And the Mars in Gemini issue here is, if the room is too small, move. If the house is too small, move. If the relationship is too small, move. If the car is too small, get a next one or start walking or start using a bicycle. But it makes no sense for us to be the containers of our compounded suffering within our lives. You know, if something, if the shoe is too small, I have a friend who just bought some shoes for herself for Christmas and the shoes are literally a size too small and he refuses to take them back. He refuses to take them back to the shoe store because in his mind, those are his shoes and that's the only shoe that he wants to wear and his foot will grow into the shoe. I, I shit you not, a 35-year-old man told me that his foot will grow into the shoe. Your foot will not grow into the shoe. If the shoe is too small, give it back because there are other shoes in the world. Similarly, there are other relationships in the world. There are other housing situations within the world. There are other jobs in the world. There are so many other things within the world that can bring you the sort of stability that you want other than the very tight box that you find yourself in now that probably once served you, but at this moment has no relevance to the shape that your life is taking. Now, apropos having no relevance to the shape that your life is taking, we have the sun card reversed, and you guessed it, the sun represents <laughs> the sun. And what that means in Eight relation- minutes, Michael. Thank you, my dear. What that means in relation to your life, LaFlora, is that there are forces from your past that are that are diminishing the brightness of the sun that is within you and the sun that wants to shine. And those forces can be familial forces, they can be ancestral forces, whatever they are. They can even be relationships that probably once gave you stability, but they no longer give you stability. So it's like, WTF, why am I still here sort of thing? But those things need to be handed over. We have to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar so that we can have freedom. Because that freedom of the solar principle within us is a seed of vitality within all of us. And that seed of vitality within you is a seed that's meant to be taken out into the world freely without any sense of inhibition or without any, any sense of being beholden to a structure or a story in the past that doesn't serve you. And the underlying energy of the entire situation is represented by the Knight of Swords reversed, which is the... The airy, the airy portion of air, that's what the Knight of Swords means, but it's also the final decan of Capricorn and the first two decans of Aquarius. And what that indicates is 
If there's a hole in your pocket, you're not meant to pretend as if there isn't. If there's a hole, a pothole, a crater within your life, you're not meant to pretend as if there isn't. Because the more you pretend that that hole doesn't exist, then the more that hole actually yawns its foul breath onto the rest of your life. And it causes you to move through life doing other things that don't actually attend to the whole. So focus on the whole because not focusing on the whole is the seed of what makes people go crazy. And you're not meant to go crazy at no point in this future or the distant future. So focus on the whole, do the patchwork necessary. And if you have to do some painful things in the whole then do those painful things in the whole so that those painful things don't spill out into the greater fabric of your life. It's okay to be someone's sibling, but not be someone's sibling because that previous familial comfort that that person represents doesn't actually bring you a sense of joy and it doesn't actually bring you a sense that you're moving towards where you need to be. Does that make sense? Oh, shit. <laughs> Does that make sense, LaFlora? Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Okay, can you share with Completely. us? Completely. Can you share with us a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, I'm just ending a long relationship. It's just kind of in its waning phases. Um, and so, and it really was something now from the perspective I'm in that I can see was, it was necessary, but it's also holding me back from this potential that I have. Um, and it was interesting over the time of being in this whole reading, my question kind of vacillated between all the things you talked about. And I was able to narrow it down to that, but you really, the reading addressed all of the fringe elements of that thought as well. Um, and I really feel motivated to reach, to reach for that bigger space for myself, to take up that space um, in the, many different ways that that like applies to this new chapter in my life and yeah i'm gonna watch this like over and over because i had a hard time with that with the placement but that was like very very insightful um and interesting again how the cards relate to my own astrology that is going on and it really it really got to the core of my question even surpassing the words that i was able to use to to express that question so thank that was Awesome. Excellent. Awesome sauce. Thank you so much, LaFlora. All right. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome, my dear. Okay. <clears throat> Akash. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna type for us and tell and tell me if you had one singular area of your life to focus on right now, what would that singular area be in one word? Love. If you could fill in the general statement. I am seeking guidance on what would your next word or phrase be? Sure. Now, what question organically arises out of you when you think about that general statement? As in, if you had 15 minutes to speak to the wisest parts of the universe, what is the singular? and most truthful question you would ask. Should I end up with her? 
So, so are you are you asking whether or not is is this person the right person for you? Is is that more along the lines of what you're asking? Okay, so so you reword that question and then give me the question back, okay? In whatever way feels most natural or most normal for you. Is she the one? Got it. Okay, so that's a pretty straightforward question. What we're gonna do for this one is the is a past, present, and a future spread, just because that I mean that question can be handled in that sort of way. So um, do I have your permission to stand in as proxy for you? Great. All right, so the question is, is she the one? And those of you taking down the horary chart, the current local time is 4.10 p.m. Um, and the question is from Akash asking, is she the one at 4.10 p.m.? Wunderbar. All right, so Akash, <clears throat> All right, so Akash, I'm going to hold your question within my head and heart, and you hold your question in your head and heart. And the question is, is she the one? And I'm going to shuffle these cards on your behalf. And when you feel as if it's appropriate for me to stop shuffling, you just type the word stop. I haven't started yet, but I'm going to start right now. Okay, just say yes if we're clear on that. Just, just type yes if, if you understand what I just said. Okay, good. I'm going to start shuffling now. When you're ready for me to stop, you type stop. Keep focusing on your question. 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 Shauna, you can time. So the past of this question is represented by the Three of Swords and the Three of Swords is symbolizing Saturn in Libra. Now, as you can see, the card itself is has very strong imagery, but Saturn is a very strong sort of planet. So Saturn in Libra is representing a sense of organization and a sense of balance within the form of things. And the organization here in the Three of Swords is oftentimes the organization that shows us that things that hurt, they don't just hurt for no reason. They hurt because they exist within the larger pattern of something that we've consistently done to ourselves. So it carries some of that devil energy from the previous reading we did where it spoke about this patterning, but it's saying that if you find yourself currently facing a similar feeling of hurt or a similar feeling of pain or a similar feeling of suffering, if the suffering that you've gone through has consistently been the same and carry the seed of sameness and similarity, then what you're needing to know is that it's not the problem of the swords, 
that is the problem, but there is something that is magnetizing those swords within the heart of the person themselves. And the person is you. So it's saying what within your heart structure is magnetizing events of a similar painful nature into your life? And how did that manifest within the past of the situation that you find yourself going through right now? Because Saturn, no matter what guys Saturn is wearing, is always there with the intention of giving us something to think about, something to slow down about so that we can integrate a larger body of a story or a lesson into our lives. The present situation is symbolized by the sun, which is a complete um, juxtaposition or which stands in complete juxtaposition to the Saturn before because the sun, and it came up in LaFleur's last, in LaFleur's reading, the sun is representing that you have learned those lessons and you feel like as a result of you having learned those lessons already from the negative situations that you've gone through in the past, you now can stand boldly within yourself and say, yes, this thing is something that I do want. Yes, the, the things that I want now in this version of my life are unencumbered by anything that I used to attract to myself. So I've already done my 40 days of rehab. I've already done the recreation of myself. So the things that I'm now bringing into my life and my experience are things that are completely based on the person who I currently am, as opposed to any feedback or any sorts of negative conditioning or any sorts of negative patterning that I may have allowed myself to be a part of in the past. Now, the curiouser and curiouser, the final outcome card is symbolized by the seven of cups reversed. And the seven of cups is Venus in Scorpio and reversed, the seven of cups is actually better than it is in its upright position because the seven of cups reverse says that all of the fog fades away and I see the one specific thing that I want more than anything else and I go in the direction of manifesting that thing I want. So there's a lot of a forward thrust here for you in terms of going after this one specific person and it seems to be initiated by you. It seems as if the, the, the clouds are clearing away and the initiative or the initiative energy is coming from your end of things, which can be great because if you know what you want and you go after what you want, then it's saying that you know that that's what you're going to get because that's the only thing that you want right now. So if there are other people who may potentially be hanging in the wings as other potential suitors or other potential lovers, you know that all of that distraction is fading away and you're going after this one specific person. Now, the curious thing about that is the undercurrent card of the entire thing is symbolized by the hanged man reversed. And the hanged man reversed for you is indicating that action can be the problem. And by action, I mean the overactivity on our own part is oftentimes the thing that gets in the way of us doing the things that we actually should be doing. It's it's like in the process of me trying to assist the universe or in the process of me trying to assist the hands of the gods, I, I, I 
I further force a thing to happen beyond the natural course of effort. And so what this is saying for you is that you have to pull back. You have to pull back because you know that you see what you want, you know what you want, you're going for it. And the seven of the seven of cups coming up in the final position is saying that the seed that makes the most sense is the thing that's going to manifest. So if that seed is this person, then yes, that is the thing that's going to manifest. All the other distractions will fade away and the singular person will rise out of the fog of all of that as being the one goal or the one, I don't want to say prize because I don't want to want to turn a person into a thing, but this one person will be the singular thing that rises out of the fog of everything else at the end of the day for you. And if you already know that that is certain, then we don't have to force things to happen. The hanged man reverse is about forcing things to happen even beyond what we know is necessary and required at this moment. So the wisdom for you is just step back from the seat of intense activity at this moment long enough for you to allow heaven to move as it will. Because if you allow yourself to slow down, then the scenery starts to change. The scenery is very different if you're speeding down the highway versus if you slow down, because slowing down allows you to see people more realistically. It allows you to see life more realistically. And maybe in the process of slowing yourself down, you will see other elements of this person that you probably weren't seeing before that probably should be seen, not so that you can deny yourself of this person, but so that you can move into the space of this relationship with a greater sense of, a, a greater sense of not rushing yourself forward, which is a really healthy thing to do. Shauna, time? Oh, fuck me. Time, Shauna? We're halfway through. Oh, great. All right, so... So that was, um, so for you, Akash, that was it. Does that, does that feel like that makes sense for you within your situation? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exclamation mark. Okay, cool. Well, I won't, okay, go into it. If Go into it if you like. And then the next person will be, um, will be, Candle, and then the next person will be wah, and then we would have done it. Well, <laughs> do do you do you feel as if you've been going about it in a really solar, you know? Do you feel as if you've been putting yourself in a position to make things happen in terms of the connection and in terms of who goes to who, or or how do you feel that's been for you? Essentially, are you operating in excess? And have you felt yourself operating? She's the one trying to make it happen. So how does that fit within? How does that fit within? So then, so then pulling back from that for a second, if she's the one trying to make it happen, does it feel like that is the space where you're being rushed from? As in the rushes coming from the outside is not actually coming from within you?
Akash, say something because I think that I could hear you. I could hear your mic doing things. Yeah, but I got hurt in the past, so I am slowing it down. Okay, so so that three of swords in the past made sense for you. Okay, cool. And so the messaging there is that it needs to be slowed down and it doesn't need to be rushed. I think that those are the two things. But now that you've added that piece of information, the sun card has another dynamic. And the dynamic of the sun card is that the sun represents you stepping away from those things that were formative before. Because it says that you don't need those things from the past to weigh you down anymore. So what I'll say to you as you move forward is not to allow the pain that you've been through in the past to be inhibitive or to prevent you from feeling as if love is a possibility in general, because that's sometimes a thing that happens. So if it is that you've had that three of swords experience in the past and you've done your rehab and you've healed yourself from it, Learn the lessons from it, but don't allow that to pull you back so much that it prevents you from interacting with the joy of love again. So yes, be willing to move forward and move away from those past experiences with this banner of your passions and whatever. But at the same time, as you move into the future, know that, hey, I've been somewhere before that hasn't been the best. And now I'm moving forward, not as a kid, but I'm moving forward with a greater sense of stability within my own life. So I'm not going to allow myself to be rushed, whether internally me rushing myself or whether externally someone rushing me. I'm going to allow this whole thing to slow all the way down so that we're all able to interact with each other in a more realistic sort of way. Do you see? Awesome sauce. And, and Jenny just said that the North Node is on the Ascendant. What, what was it, Jenny? You could talk. Say it. Um, so I just pulled the chart up because I thought it was a like those past, present, future, future uh, pulls are cool. But yeah, we've got the North Node directly on the Ascendant in Gemini for, um, for, this, th for this throw. So I thought that was... Yeah. Yeah, let, let, let's, let's pull back. Let, let's pull back because, because we don't want to sow the seed of repetition, but also because we don't want to feel as if we've been rushed into an environment. And pause. I'm not saying that this person isn't the person you know. That's not what I'm saying. So don't use my words to go into the world and say, oh, Michael Bryan said to me that I should slow down because you're not the one. But I'm saying allow yourself to slow down long enough so that you can make an informed decision within yourself as to whether or not this person is the one or as to whether or not this person beneath, behind all of the smoke that gets generated through the speed of it all, do I find something that I love and do I find something that I can cherish? Because otherwise you end up moving into a space where the two of you end up hurting each other. Okay. All right, so the next person, Kendall, if you're there, you're there. And then the final person, I think, is Wa. Kendall? Okay, so I'm going to go over to Wa. Also, first of all, let me just say something. Let me come back to the full gallery view because I thought that was so cool. I've never actually done a reading like that before in my entire life where someone submitted a question like that. And then I shuffled and I looked on the screen to see when they said stop. 
that was brand new for me. So thank you. Um, thank you, Akash's mic for not working <laughs> because it, it definitely provided me with an education. All right. So wow, I think that you're it. Oh, why would, well, Kendall left. I don't know why, but um, wow, you are it. So are you ready? I'm here, yes. Awesome, awesome. So let me pull this up. And then everyone, that's it. I need to keep my armpits down because they're sweating. But then everyone, that's like it for us for today. I'm so happy that we did this. This is so cool. Thank you. All right, let me pull back this. Let me pull this back up over here and do this like this and do that like that. <clears throat> let me just clear the cards one more time. Jenny, I love the fact that you actually are pulling up the chart. <laughs> it's a good thing. All right, let me clear the cards. All right, wow. Yes, this would be a reading in the okay. category. Okay, hold on, hold on one second. Let me, let me just pull okay. this up so I can see where you are. There you are. Good, awesome sauce. And, and your surname is um, my three friends from Vietnam, all of the same surname. Yes, Win. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm very happy that you're here. Thank you. <clears throat> All right. Well, so if you could, awesome sauce. Thank you so much, Emma, for coming. Okay. So, so why uh, you are the, you're the last person. I'm excited about it. So uh, if you could focus on one singular area of your life right now, what would that singular area be in one word? Career. If you could fill in the general statement, I am seeking guidance on, what would your next word or phrase be? The coming publication of my book. What question organically arises out of you when you consider that general statement? How to support its launch into the world to help promote its success. Good stuff. So let me write that down. And if you could, if you could pare that down, a, a bit because remember it's a mantra that you're going to have to repeat in your mind and I'm going to have to repeat it in my mind. So it's, you could say it again and I'll write it down. Um, preparing for book no, publication I mean, success. I, I, I mean, so, so, so still say it as a question because okay. how, is a, how is a beautiful question? And if that was the question the first time, then just say that same thing again, okay? Okay. So how to prepare for book publication success. Okay, I mean, you, could, you could say it as a regular, you don't have to like pull okay. out the, all right, Thanks. say it again. How can I? How can I support my coming book's publication for success? Great, good for you, publication for success, because you did still pare it down, even though, you know, you did justice. Um, the current local time is 4.29 p.m., everyone, 4.29 p.m. 
And what else do I want to say about that? That's it. It's 4.29 p.m. And literally, we're on time. This is the last reading. It's amazing. Um, and it's Nassau, Bahamas would be the location, okay? Just in case you're you're doing the, uh, the horror chart. All right. So, Wa, I'm going to, or I would like for you to stay unmuted. Uh, may I stand as proxy for you at this moment? Yes. Okay. Now, I'm going to shuffle these cards on your behalf, and I'm going to pump your question through my head and my heart into these cards. And I also want you to push your question through your head and your heart into these cards. And say the question one more time. How to support my book publication for success. And keep holding on to that question in your head and heart. And when you feel as if it's an appropriate time for me to stop shuffling, and you're going to stay, stop shuffling, okay? Okay? Yes. Okay, I'm going to start shuffling now. Stop. Keep focusing on the question. Yes. Keep focusing on the question. 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 All right, thank you. Something strange just happened that hasn't happened to me in 15 years. And what happened is that the cards, they're all basically this way where I can't see them. But one card was like this. And it was this card, the three of pentacles. That never happens. <laughs> that wow. never happens. Um, so I'm going to put it aside. And while I'm not a superstitious person, I, I find it interesting. So um, Shauna, we could do up the, the timer. <clears throat> The first card represents the issue. Mm-hmm. This is timely. The page of cups reversed. The issue at this moment is that you have to remember, you have to remember, when I was going to university for the very first time, someone said to me, um, Michael, when I went to that same university, the the, the, the chancellor of the university said to all of us, remember why you came here and don't leave here without it. And that stuck with me, you know, it's almost what, 10, 13 years later, and that still is at the forefront of my mind, th this concept of remembering why we came here and not leaving here without it. Oftentimes when we're working on bringing something creative out of ourselves into the world, the card is the page of cups reversed, by the way. The page of cups reversed is representing the earthy part of water. And it represents the issue. Oftentimes when we're bringing a creative work out of ourselves, we get so consumed within the creative work itself. And then we get consumed within the expectations of other people and then we get consumed with all of the non-creative things that have to be done in order to make that thing happen. 
And then what happens is that we kill the seed of joy that was at the heart of that thing in the first place. It's like the more we finagle the surrounding things that allow it to happen or not, the more we diminish the thing that really turned us on about doing it in the first place. And when that thing is dead, it's as if the entire thing feels dead. It's as if the entire thing feels as if it's it's just the, the husk or it's just the shell of something that used to be. And so the, the wisdom within this first card as the issue is to remember, really deeply remember, who is this work for? Why are you doing this in the first place? What is the intention of this work? And that has to be at the forefront of your relationship to the work that you're doing. Because if you ever allow that to step into the background of your experience and you allow yourself to kill and to diminish the singular seed of, of, of life blood, that is the reason why you chose to do it in the first place. So remembrance, remembrance is paradise. Forgetfulness is exile. And if you allow yourself to forget the reason why you were doing it in the first place, then you exile yourself from that parasitic, not parasitic, but parasitic, that, that paradise experience of really operating from the center of your joy and also operating from the center of your purpose. How it manifested in the past was by the ace of wands. Like I said to you all earlier, the aces don't represent anything. I, I, they do, but they, they don't represent these combinations like earthy part of water or Martian part of Gemini or nothing. The aces represent the root, the spiritual roots of the elements. So the ace of wands is the, is the spirit of the elements of fire. And so in the past, you were completely turned in tapped in, tuned in, and turned on to what it is you were doing. I was trying to do the Abraham Hicks thing. You know, when Abraham channels, they do this whole turned in, tapped in, tuned on sort of thing. And I'm not channeling, I'm just reading cards. So it wasn't accessible. But the point is that the Ace of Wands in the past represents a place where you were completely at one with this force of fire as it was rising up within you to do this thing. It was, it, it, it was the, the purifying force of fire that allows us to see our path. It was the spiritual gift of fire that allows us to be inspired. You were completely there. And that is a powerful and a pure and a potent force. And we're never meant to forget that. We're never meant to forget that that is actually the, the true seed of creation within us. Because when we forget that and when the entire thing just goes into the logistics and the rationale and the breakdown and the financial reports and when it turns into all of that other stuff, then we, we forget that seed. We forget that seed of childlike wonder. And the worst thing that can happen to any of us within this life is that we forget the essence of magic and that magic leaves our experience. Sometimes our astrology gets like that. It, beget, it gets very heavy. It, be, it gets very intellectualized. And then we get lost within the reeds of intellection. And we, we, we exile ourselves from the internal magical heart of these practices that really have inspired us. 
And you're meant to stay connected to that inspiration because that your connection to that inspiration is going to serve as a light unto the world and as a light unto everyone around you. And if you can remember why you came here, and if you can allow that inspiration in the beginning to be as potent as it is in the end, then what you end up setting up for yourself is a place where you will always feel surrounded by the essence of success. Because that success is going to be the success of knowing that you're getting these thoughts out of yourself and, you're, and you are excited at the prospect of getting them out of yourself because when they're out of yourself, they have utility for others. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a... If it attains to the heights of a Harry Potter, which is like one of my favorite books. So, of course, that's my reference point. But it doesn't matter what heights it attains to if you continue to thrive off of the inspiration it gives you. And that has to be front and center. Oh, man, you are thriving. You are thriving. The Ace of Cups is what's symbolized as your present situation. The Ace of Cups. Mmm. If we see the Ten of Cups in this reading, I will cry water tears. And the reason why I'll cry water tears is because this morning I wrote something before doing this reading, before coming into this space. I consulted the tarot for myself and the Ten of Cups came up. And I do want to still read that to you all when I'm done. But you, you haven't forgotten. <laughs> you, you haven't forgotten. You haven't forgotten. And it is this wet, uprushing source of life within you that you haven't forgotten what turns you on about this. And it still gets you wet. It still makes you salivate. It still turns you on. It still speaks to the heart of who you are. From the Ace of Cups proceeds five streams of water. And those five streams of water are our five senses being turned on. And when the five senses are turned on, it overflows within the larger emotional landscape of our lives. And the dove bringing this wafer, this wafer of holy communion into the cup is symbolic of this being an act of grace. The, the joy and the exaltation and the, the internal sense of jubilee that you feel within yourself is an act of utmost grace. And that grace comes in spite of ourselves. One of the students at Oraculos the other day um, said that he felt as if he was learning astrology in spite of himself or despite you, his own limitations. Thank you, Shana. And, and that thing of being able to operate despite ourselves is really the seed of something truly amazing. When your practice allows you to step into a sphere that has no relationship to the limitations of who you are, but it completely transcends that, is a beautiful thing. So you are at this moment reminded to stay connected to that source of your inspiration, just as you have it now, but know that as you move deeper into this situation and as the fabric of things begin to shift and change around you, that you still have to stay connected to that inspiration because if you let that die even for a little bit, then you'll, you'll feel dry and you'll feel barren and you'll feel like a desert within yourself. And you never wanna feel like that, especially in the process of bringing out something creative into the world. The lesson to be learned from exploring this is represented by the King of Wands. And the King of Wands may represent another person in your situation. It could also represent an aspect of yourself. And the King of Wands is the fiery part of fire. 
the fiery part of fire. It is the seed of the seed of life. So everything about this is young and fecund and fertile and ready to be implanted into something even greater. And the lesson to be learned from this is that if you have a seed of clarity within yourself, then that is a clarity that you're meant to take within the world. If the other people within your surroundings are also having and holding clarity within themselves, and you can plug into those people as a means of further lifting up your own spirits and plug into those people, even if it's one person, even if this King of Wands is representing one person within your life, the one Sagittarian within my life who holds this flame and who can hold himself in a place of jubilation that can also pull me into that space when I get down, then that's someone who you need to really plug into, or maybe that's someone who you've already plugged into. But the point is that you have to see where you're going, and you have to only go there. There's a quote from the alchemist when the, the, the main character is speaking to nature, and he and, and nature essentially is goading him down the path of his destiny. And he said, you know, but, but what if in the process of going down the path of my destiny, I fail? And nature said to him, it's better to die in the process of fulfilling your destiny than to die never knowing what your destiny was. And that is something that's held within the heart of the King of Wands, especially within this richer, fertile situation that we're in, that you become better when you carry this torch of yourself into the world. And so it has nothing to do with how can I, how can I prepare the field so that the book can be successful. The, the, the field is the least of it. The field is the field of you, the field of your own heart. And the preparation and the cultivation that has to take place is the cultivation of your internal self. That is the field that's there needing to be cultivated and needing to be prepared. And that field can only be cultivated by continuing to be and exist in places of inspiration. We think that we, we can de-plug ourselves and plug ourselves out of our greater fountains of inspiration after we've already done the work. But it's in that middle passage that you're also needing inspiration. And it's in that middle passage where the journey is most treacherous. The passage between the thing about to be born within the world and that thing still being within yourself or that thing still being within the publishing house or that thing still being not yet realized. So what you need in that middle passage is to connect yourself to the initial sources of inspiration that inspired you in the first place, because those initial source of, sources of inspiration will teach you how to create and prepare the outer field outside of yourself after you would have first done that work within. So if you always went to the beach to be inspired, don't stop going to the beach because you're home and you're nervous and you're waiting to see how many book sales you have. Keep going to the beach. Keep going to the beach. Keep plugging yourself into those places of inspiration because that is what gives you the greater creative intuition to do the greater work of promotion in more creative and more captivating ways. The, the how can I, which is the question of how can I support my coming books publication for success is represented by the six of pentacles, which is this one. And the Six of Pentacles is representing the moon in Taurus. And two things are made obvious to me with this. One is if you need help, 
And there is that other person within your situation that you know has done the work before and that you know stands as a testimony and as a representation of the sort of success that you're seeking to attain for yourself. Reach out to that person. Be coached in the middle passage by that person. Be inspired by being around people who've done the work before because those people know how to help you navigate the in-between spaces between where you are and where you're going. Furthermore, if we take this as a reflection of some aspects of yourself, then this Six of Pentacles is saying that if your purpose in doing this work was to be of help to people, if it is a book that's supposed to help people get out of their rut, and it's not just a book about the casinos in the Caribbean, or it's not just a book about some other point of leisure, but it's actually a book that's meant to help people live their lives in a better way, then remember that and allow that to be front and center. And then the question that comes out of that for you is, how can I create more helpfulness out of this work that I'm producing? How can I create a more helpful book for the world? How can I be of greater service? And of those questions, how can I be more helpful? How can I create a more helpful book? How can I be of greater service? If those questions are front and center within your heart regarding what it is you're doing, then that forces us out of ourselves because it now places us in responsibility of others and of those other people being helped. And we should never underestimate how far we're willing to go to help somebody else to figure something out. For ourselves, we might be clumsy. For ourselves, we might say, well, you know, fuck that. I don't really care that much about that subject. But if we know that our child is needing to learn that algebra in order for them to pass class or in order for them to graduate, we go to the nth degree to teach ourselves that subject so that we can be of greater service to somebody else. And in the process of teaching that other person or in the process of helping that other person, we become amazed at how much we would have synthesized that information within ourselves to begin with to really stand in a place of service. So the point for you is that if that helpfulness is front and center within your heart, then that helpfulness and asking yourself, how can I be of greater service? How can I be of greater help? How can I help other people more? That will create, you know, helpfulness begets inspiration. Because when we're trying to figure out how to be more helpful, then it naturally sets us in this field of inspiration. Because at that point, it doesn't become about, did I write the best book in the world? It becomes, was I truly helpful? Did I help a person's soul heal? Did I help someone get themselves over that fjord of life's experience? How did I step in the gap for someone else? And that's Michael, that's do. time. Okay, great. One more card. Mm -hmm. And then the final thing within all of this is represented by the Ace of Swords of Earth, which is the root of the spirit of air. And the Ace of Swords of Verse, as the guiding spiritual insight, says to us that your mind is the greatest tool that you have. And you're not meant to use your mind to overwhelm you. And you're not meant to use your, wind, your, wind, your mind to stress you out. And you're not meant to use your mind to be antagonistic to yourself. And maybe that isn't where you find yourself right now. Because like I said, from the looks of it, it's a pretty good feeling sort of energy. But... helpfulness and inspiration they don't allow space for 
your mind to play ego games on you, you know? If you're plugging yourself into helpfulness, if you're plugging yourself into inspiration, if you're plugging yourself into something greater than yourself in the process of bringing this work out of yourself, it doesn't allow your mind to be clouded by the ego, but it allows your mind to stay sharp and firm and discriminatory, both of your own self, as well as of other people who are coming into your space. Sometimes the people who come into our space to help us, they're operating from a space of ego and they're operating from a space that doesn't align with our creator field of inspiration. And don't allow yourself to be forced into that space just for the sake of wanting to be successful. But remember what the work is. Remember why you did the work. Remember who the work is meant to serve. And most of all, don't allow yourself to pull other people into your life who place the burden of their own success or the burden of their own successful outcome on the coattail of yours. Because that also steals from the joy of our own experience. When other people's stuff become our stuff to the exclusion of our own joys and to the exclusion of our own happiness. So the quite in answering your question, um, how can I support my coming books publication for success? Don't stop plugging into the places that inspire you. If you need help, genuine help, then go and grab that help, find that help in the world. But maybe the help is just asking your own self the question, how can I be most helpful? And if you stay within those realms of inspiration, continuously plugging in to the spiritual source of inspiration that runs as the undercurrent of the situation, as well as plugging in to that space of helpfulness and knowing that it's okay to receive help, but also knowing that it's okay to know that your main goal within life, within this publication is to be helpful, then those two things stand as your sword and shield and they protect you from forces within your environment and also forces within yourself that operate from a less than noble place or that operate from a place that isn't connected to those sources of pure intention. You did the work because you love the work. That is really the purpose of anything. Mm. It's that you got to express something that you loved. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's it. Thank you so much. That's really perfect. My book is a book of poems. It'll be my fourth book. And it's basically the book I feel like I've been meaning to write my whole life. So um, it feels very connected. Thank you so much. Awesome. You're very, very welcome. All right, everyone, that is it. And I want to read you something from my book of not poems. But I want to read you... Um, something from this morning and I, I think you might like it so let me just go and grab that but don't go anywhere because we're done Oi. oh my god please hold oh my goodness gracious i'm wearing my hunting socks i i was wearing them this whole time they're my pride and my joy And here we go. So today, when I was scared shitless about how to, 
go about this whole marathon, tarot marathon, because I've never done one of these before in my life. Um, I wrote in my journal the following. <clears throat> there is a bomb in Gilead. It runs from the doors of the mist-filled house. It is not something wrought by human hands. It comes as a gift after your long years of service to something higher than yourself. It bestows its symbol upon your crown so that light may know itself within you. It holds you in the sweet embrace of its protection. Under its radiance, we know joy. The depth of this bowl is a sacred promise of remembrance. Never will you walk alone. It is the promise of utmost fulfillment. Behold, the cup never runs dry. It is the union of self and other in the acknowledgement of the singular great work. It is the union of the higher self with the lower self by which even greater things shall be accomplished. Yours is the promise between humankind and God. Your cup shall overflow. Yours is the love between heaven and earth. Your cup shall overflow. You are so held. That was something that came as a message to me this morning before I entered this space with you all. And I think at the end of this, it's something that has rung true within this entire process of giving these readings today, that we've seen that through everything, through our joys and through our sorrows, we belong to each other. And through our joys and through our sorrows, we belong to a cosmos that has the ability to not just reflect these stories back to us, but that also has the ability to show us that this thing that you're going through right now within your life isn't just some flippant thing, but it's actually a part of the larger story of your life being told. And when you can see your story reflected back to you in this sort of way, it gives you a piece that truly passes all understanding that allows you to know that even if you're going through something that feels particularly challenging right now, you are held. You will never walk alone. Your cup overflows. And this, this love that you have between your own life and your own story is the love that exists between heaven and earth. And your cup will overflow regardless of what it feels right now. So... On that note, I'm so appreciative of all of you for coming. I'm appreciative of Shauna for being a wonderful timekeeper always. Shauna, I love you like I love cooked food. Yeah, it's that much. Um, and thank you, all of you. Thank you, Sarah, who was here earlier. Um, and thanks to each and every one of you. You really make my life so much better. And I'm so happy that I know you. And... And now you see the other side of my weird and wonderful life. <laughs> He's a witch. <laughs>
Sam is walking outside in the snow. Thank you for coming, Sam. Thank you, KPF. Thank you, Fabin. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, LaFlora. Thank you, Ebony. Thank you, Shauna. Thank you, Akash. Thank you, Wa. Thank you, Nikki. And that's about it. <laughs>